0: What is up, you two? Welcome in to another edition of Bucky and BK live on Texas Sports Unfiltered and on the free Texas Sports Unfiltered app. Today is Thursday, October nineteenth, twenty and and the Buck and I are taking you all the way until ten o'clock on today's show. The Astros are on the board in the American League Championship Series. We will preview the college football and NFL weekend. More conversation about the Longhorns and the Houston Cougars as we sit two days away from kickoff down in H-Town. We'll get an updated look at the Bucs Heisman Watch. We'll also talk to the sideline reporter for the University of Houston football team at 940, and we'll have some fun along the way. We are locked, we are loaded, and we are ready to go until 10 o'clock on a Buck On and Buck Off Thursday. What's going on,
1: Buck? First of all, Buck Off to me for thinking that there was going to be a sweep. Somebody awoke the little fella there, that little guy from the Astros. You know, that little that little dude? No, he's a little person. He's five foot not five. Not so fast, midget. Not no, so fast. Not quite a midget. But he was sleeping there for a while, like one of the seven dwarfs, and kind of asleep. And somebody woke him up yesterday. Probably some of Scherzer's pitches. That's what woke him up. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Kavazas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, And all those that fight for us each and every day, thank you so much for what you do. It is appreciated to you and your family. Thank them also for what they've done for us by giving you to us. We appreciate it. Be safe out there.
0: Yes, indeed. Well said, my friend. Well said. We also have a story about a Houston crook that we have to talk about a little bit later. I'm curious if this is the type of crime that you would ever commit, Buck. And I'll ask you that later in the show. We've got to open up by talking about a championship there was a champion crowned in the world of sports last night buck did you know
1: this oh it must be what time of the year is it is it wnba time it is oh we uh, we have talked extensively about the wnba here over the last month or so i presume hey this is a but a championship is a championship yes absolutely and we support? Oh, ask, me who, ask me who won. I'll take you a won. shot at it. I'm going to say the Aces. There you go. Thank you. Great shot. Good call, Buck.
0: For the second year in a row, <laughs> the Las Vegas Aces are champions of the WNBA.
1: All I know about that is I, I picked before the season even started that Brittany Griner will be the comeback player of the year. So just tell me when I'm right on that. Yeah, that, that should be it.
0: There were probably minus 150,000 unit odds on that one. I mean, she's the heaviest favorite in the history of sports to win that <laughs> award. Oh my God. Yep. The Aces, congratulations. Hey, we're a sports show. We talk about sports. There was a champion crowned last night 70 to 69, the vinyl score in game four. Very nice. Something called Courtney Vandersloot missed what would have been a game winning three at the buzzer for the New York Liberty. And the Aces win their second straight. WNBA championship.
1: Sorry about that, Liberty Bell. Yeah. Tough Didn't loss. Happen.
0: Tough loss. All right. There's WNBA talk. That's All it. That's yeah. it next year now. Unless you have any hot takes you got.
1: Until grinder wins the, that, when we find out that's the final, she is the winner of the comeback player of the year. Yeah. That's it.
0: I think the hot take would have been picking literally anybody else in the world
1: besides her
0: to win that award. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the WNBA season is over. Congrats to all of you fan out there. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, the baseball in Arlington. The Astros on the board in the ALCS. They take game three of this best of seven, eight to five, the final score from inside the Gulf last night. You mentioned it. The Astros got to Max Scherzer early. Scherzer looked great in the first inning. He got the Astros one two, three in the top of the first. It looked like, all right, hey, here's the future Hall of Famer. Here's the guy that the Rangers thought they were getting at the trade deadline. Maybe we're in for a little bit of a pitcher's duel tonight. But, uh, boy, the Astros opened it up in the second. Their offense got going. It started with a hit-by-pitch. Right, Max Scherzer had Jordan Alvarez 0-2 to lead off the second inning. But then a backdoor slider became a backfoot slider, literally. It hit Jordan Alvarez. Then the floodgates started to open a little bit. The Astros put up three runs in the top of the second. They added single runs in the top of the third and the top of the fourth. They were up five to nothing early. And uh, look, the Rangers offense got some things going, but unfortunately for them, it wasn't enough. And fortunately for the Astros, Christian Javier was doing his thing like he always does at this time of the year. He was great, and the Astros get a much-needed victory to uh, really keep themselves alive in this series.
1: Well, if it's a regular season game, we're talking about Scherzer looking really okay. I mean, they gave him a couple pitches. They gave him some inside pitches early in that first inning. Well, they gave him all the way until they yanked him. They were giving him the inside part of the plate and slightly inside of the box there they were giving it. I thought the Astros were getting – getting hosed there a little bit. They're wanting to, you know, get Scherzer in there. And the umps were giving him a lot of inside pitches, but the sliders all of a sudden didn't get the outside corner. It was getting the middle of the plate. And my goodness, the one he threw, um, you know, I mean, he he kept the big man off from hitting home runs, but dude still was two for four, right? Yeah. I mean, he he hit the ball hard every time, except for the one he got hit in the foot with. Right. You know, every other time he still hit the ball pretty daggum hard. He was on it. You're right. He's the best hitter in the postseason I've ever seen. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's who's dialed in. He's Reggie Jackson dialed in. I mean, he hits the ball hard. I mean, you don't get away with anything, whether it's inside or outside. But, God, if you put it across the plate, it's going somewhere. And most of the times it's out of the park. But he had a couple of nice just base hits that were really key in their comeback last night. Oh. Sure, I thought – I thought, you know, I thought that after the first inning, BK, I thought we are going to see a really – and although they were giving him the inside, I'm like, he's still kind of – he's painting some of the corners, especially with the slider outside. But that thing started to creep back inside just a little bit, and and those guys got – they got right on top of it. And Michael Brantley, what a great catch by him. I mean, he really showed how important he is when he's healthy. Now, he can't hit for crap still. he's He was, I think, oh for 5 last night. Mm-hmm. Dude, absolutely made a fantastic catch. You know, that that looked like a guy who'd been playing out there for quite a while, you know, and a, and a player that was healthy because he ended up rolling on his shoulder and everything else. That was a great play. That was a much-needed play right there for the Astros.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was some great defense on both oh, yeah. sides last night. Seriously, I mean, you talked about Jordan Alvarez, right? He was two for four. He should have been three for four. Oh, Yeah he got robbed of a home run by Leody Taveras, who made a fantastic play leaping over the wall in center field to bring one back. I mean, that was maybe the play of the postseason so far. That was spectacular stuff by him. And, yeah, Michael Brantley in a huge spot. The Rangers trying to mount to come back late in the game. Adolis Garcia hit one into the left center field gap. If it goes down, it goes for extra bases, and the Rangers get another run. I think at that time it would have cut the deficit to two. Yes. Yeah, Brantley. Finding the fountain of youth somehow, some way, getting over there, and yeah, making that running catch where he did tumble over after the ball hit his mitt—that uh, was a fantastic play as well. Alex Bregman at third had a couple of really nice plays. I mean, yeah, both ways, man. Some incredible defense being shown last night, but uh, yeah, the Astros' offense, man, too much, too much. Yeah, they're then, they're on
1: top of the ball now. I mean, yeah, as I said, Scherzer got away with a few, but. At first inning, he pitched. You thought you were going to get the you're going to get the Scherzer that you're looking for. I I thought I do not know how long he could go. I thought maybe four innings if he could if he could pitch the way he did in the first and they were going to let him have the inside of the plate. That may he may have lasted, boy. But damn, that one little silly hit on Alvarez that 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 pitch on his foot was well, wow.
0: That was not great. But what no. really did I mean? What really did Scherzer in in that second inning? Like the Astros loaded the bases with one out and. They hadn't scored. And then Scherzer was able to get Jeremy Pena to pop up, and it's like, oh, here we go again. The Astros have loaded the bases, and they're not going to score, right? That happened in game one against Montgomery. They couldn't cash in. That happened in game two against DeVolde, right? They had bases loaded nobody out in that situation, and they didn't score a run there. And it's like the Astros fans had to be thinking, oh, here we go again. We loaded the bases, and we're seriously about to not score for a third straight game. But there was a wild pitch in there. And then that allowed the first run to score. And then Martin Maldonado, the number nine hitter. Who oh, batting 140. Yeah, who does nothing for the Astros at the plate. Uh, he came through with a two-run single to make it 3 yeah. to nothing. So That's that was easy. big right there. Like, if yeah. the Astros don't score again with the bases loaded, maybe Scherzer gets some more confidence. Maybe the Astros' bats are still like, in a rut but because they kind of broke things open a little bit in the second inning i think that just opened the proverbial floodgates and uh got them going which was that, much needed
1: yeah that was also a slider that dipped down before the just about before the plate i don't know they call, they ended up calling it a wild pitcher which i believed it was i thought the yeah. catcher thought that he could have gotten in front of it a little bit better but it was it was it was that you know that was a sinker that just just didn't make it. I don't even think it made it to the plate before it hit, It you know, before it hit and bounced away. Yeah. And it had spin on it. It spun away all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It took an unfortunate hop for Jonah Heim. Uh, and Scherzer just didn't have his best stuff. Like a fastball looked pretty good. It did. Uh, but the slider, he couldn't locate the slider, which has no. been his out pitch for his whole career. I mean, that was the pitch that obviously hit Jordan. Uh, and I think he only uh, generated two swings and misses on like 15 sliders that he threw. So, yeah, I mean, he, it's understandable that he wasn't sharp. It's why I picked the sure. Astros to win last night. I thought they easily had the pitching edge because, you know, Max Sturzer hadn't pitched in 36 days, right? I know he had done some simulated games, but you can't replicate the playoffs. Against no, but you would have taken five team.
1: runs any time.
0: Yeah, oh, for the Rangers offense? Yes. Yeah, I mean, usually in the playoffs, if you get to five, that's going to put you in a good position to win. But uh, especially with Christian Javier on the mound. I mean, Christian Javier had a no-hitter through five innings. Last night like that guy was amazing and believe it or not because he gave up those two runs in the sixth inning on that Josh Young home run that was the worst postseason start of Christian Javier's career That's the first time he'd given up any runs in four starts in the playoffs like that guy had a terrible regular season and the Astros gave him a pretty big contract this past offseason and he went out there and stunk and everyone's like oh did we make a mistake should we have given this guy this deal what's going on here And then I don't know what it is about Christian Javier, but man, when October gets here, he just turns into like prime Cy Young out there. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I was worried, like, forget the Rangers winning. There was a time last night where I'm like... they
1: were going to score, did you? I was like, are they
0: about to get a hit? The Phillies got no hit by Christian Javier in the World Series last year. Is he about to throw another freaking no hitter or at least be a part of another combined no hitter in the playoffs? And yeah, the Rangers were able to put up two off of him once again in the 6th inning. But now Christian Javier in uh, in four career postseason starts, I think he's gone 23 innings and given up two runs. Like his yeah. ERA last night raised from 0 to 0.87. Yeah, how about these numbers for Javier? 4-0 in and oh and four playoff starts, 22 innings, five hits, two runs, 26 strikeouts and a 0.87 earned run average. That's absurd. Yes. And if you're the Rangers, you really don't want this thing to go to a game seven.
1: No, you don't want to see that dude anymore. Because
0: you don't want to see that dude again. And I don't know if you want to see Max Scherzer have to start another game for you. Because I don't know what the confidence level is in that guy. For me, it wasn't that high going into yesterday. And then after what I saw yesterday, it ain't much higher. Hell, it's
1: probably lower. Yeah, because he's not going to get all those inside calls that he got. not going to get those. You're not going to have every night that you get those, especially in the playoffs they're just not going to give them to you so and if you don't have that slider working and that baby hits the middle of the plate against this group look out yeah as i said brainley can't hit i mean he's he's forgotten how to hit so
0: i mean he had an rbi double in game 2 like he's been okay in these playoffs he he sucked last night he was 0 for 5 but he he's, been far, from, he's yeah. been far from the worst hitter for the astros like oh. that's the best news for the astros is they got two of their guys back on track now, we'll see with Kyle Tucker. He did have a double. He did walk 3 times, so it was a very productive night at the dish for Kyle Tucker. But Jose Altuve, like he's back. I mean, yeah, that's scary. Uh, the guy hit the homer. He had two hits. He also had two deep flyouts as well uh that would have been gone in I think more than 10 ballparks. Like he found his stroke a little bit. He's he's been a great playoff hitter his whole career. He was great against the Rangers.
1: And he hits well there.
0: Yeah, in Arlington this year, and he looked comfortable, man. He obviously didn't look comfortable in Houston in games one and two, but he looked very comfortable, and that's that's massive for the Astros to get their leadoff hitter back. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, the Astros, it's road, sweet road, if that's an expression. I mean, this team is now 17-3 and in their last 20 road games, and if you just focus directly on the playoffs, they've won nine of their last 10 road playoff games dating back to last year. That's incredible. It's, it's supposed to be hard to win on the road, especially yes. in the postseason, and the Astros are making it look easy. So, yeah, the good news for Houston is they get two more games in Arlington over these next couple of days and uh, a chance to get right back in this series today. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and I'm afraid when if the lefty comes back up, when, when will he be pitching? The Rangers lefty that started game two. When does, he, when does he do back up?
0: Nathan Avaldi. No, or Montgomery.
1: Uh, Montgomery. When is he Montgomery started
0: that? game one. He would start game, game five tomorrow. But, I mean, the Astros have Verlander tomorrow. So, I know Montgomery was better than Verlander in game one, but we're still talking about one of the best pitchers of all sure. time. So, this is a big one. Like, today's game, it's another night game in Arlington. It's Jose Arquiti on the mound for the Stros. He looked great in his first playoff start in that closeout game in Minnesota. Uh, he's going up against Andrew Heaney. For the Rangers, and it'll be Heaney and Dunning, kind of a tag team one-two punch. Yeah, they'll go with a couple
1: guys tonight, really, won't they? They won't wait long to be snatching starters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, they used up a lot of their bullpen yesterday. They didn't use any of their top bullpen arms in the loss. But, uh, yeah, it'll be Heaney and Dunning, and the the Rangers are hoping those guys combined can get through six, and they can go with their Spores-Chapman-LeClerc combination, seven eight nine, But, We'll see, man. I mean, like this is a huge, huge game. Obviously, the Rangers—if they can go up three-one—they've got three chances to just win one game. Right? They're they're in the driver's seat. But the Astros win this one today. They've got JV going tomorrow, and then home field advantage is back on their side, which maybe isn't the best thing in the world, but still, yeah. uh, they can even this thing up with two straight wins in Arlington. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to feel like the Astros would be the favorites once again in this series. So a massive, massive. Game four. Game fours are always huge, but uh, tonight feels especially big. Both the, is that, of these you said games.
1: that's the night game? That's Probably. tonight.
0: Yep. Yep. NLCS is uh, this afternoon. That series shifts to Arizona. 407 first pitch in the desert. The Phillies trying to go up 3 0. The D bags trying to do what the Astros did last night and get on the board. Uh, but yeah, 703 first pitch tonight. Jose Archidi, Andrew Heaney, your matchup in game four of the American League Championship Series. So. The Astros on the board, the Rangers trying to uh, protect home field tonight. We will talk to Jeremy Branham over at ESPN Houston in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk some Astros Rangers. He's also the sideline reporter for the Houston football team. So we'll, of course, talk some Texas and UH with him as well as we've got. Yeah, Texas and Houston playing each other in a couple of different sports right now. Pretty cool to see. All right, before we uh, shift gears and talk some Texas and Houston football, Let's give some love to some of our great sponsors. Buck, I will give you the floor first.
1: How about our good friends at Covert BK for sure. Since 1909, the Covert family, they've been selling cars and trucks in Central Texas, and they do it like nobody else. They've got Covert Ford and Chevy and Hutto. They also have uh, Covert Lincoln and Ford in Austin, of course. And they've got unbelievable uh, unbelievable cars and trucks that await you out there in BK. And, And it's a wonderful facility, 42 acres, folks. And their lot is just packed with Buicks, GMCs, Cadillacs, Chryslers, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, of course. And for more information on how to get in, in touch and, wonder, and find out about these great sales that they have, these weekly sales, go to covertbcape.com. We love the folks out there. We'll be doing our pregame show there on Saturday. There is no meet and greet. This is not a home game. But the meet and greets over the next couple of weeks, you're going to enjoy the folks that are going to be out there for our Friday meet and greets. But Saturday, we'll be doing the pregame show out there. While you're there, do say hello to Dan Covert. You'll see Mike, the GM. Of course, Stacy, the boss, will be out there. Jerome, the whole gang. And, folks, nobody beats a covert deal. Not now,
0: not ever. Won't ever happen. Won't ever happen, for it's sure. Possible. impossible. And shout-out to our friends at Last Dan Hats. I've got my Last Stand lid nice. on today. We also have ourselves a new merch store. Nice. At LastDanHats.com. There's actually a link in the uh, video description below if you're watching on YouTube. But if you're listening on the app, and you forget to click the link, or you can't click the link, just uh, go to lastandhats.com, and in the search bar, type in Texas Sports Unfiltered, and boom, just like that, it will take you to all of our Texas Sports Unfiltered hats. I was wearing one yesterday. Y'all have seen the Buck rock one a couple of times. Y'all have seen a few of our guys rocking the Texas Sports Unfiltered hats. A lot of you people have been asking us about where to get those TSU lids. Well, there's your answer laststandhats.com. They've got tons of great hats on site, but if you want to cash in on that Texas sports unfiltered gear and help support the channel and help spread the word about what we've got going on, just search Texas sports unfiltered right there at laststandhats.com. And if you are a subscribing Patreon member, you're actually going to get a discount code for 15% off your purchase from last stand hats. How are we doing with those
1: Patreon members? Are they because Man, I'm about, you know, it's getting towards the holiday season. I start pulling stuff out of my bag of tricks. Not just out of my bag, but out of my bag of tricks. Things are going to start happening where I'll just call BK and say, here, give this away. That's a maybe even maybe some of those gloves that I use, some of those gardening gloves. Yeah. The no, no. Game worn gardening gloves. (laughs) Game worn. Yeah, how about that? Put your hands where my hands have been. All right. How's that? No, no nobody nobody. No,
0: nobody wants that. Your hands are always deep inside Mother Earth.
1: Yes, deep inside of Mother Earth. Yes, that's the uh, way to do it. Nobody wants your
0: sweat stains and that shit smell on their that hands. Cat,
1: that, that cat crap that's over here. Uh, nobody wants that. No, okay.
0: No, no, but uh yeah, if you are a subscribing Patreon member you will have access to incredible giveaways that nobody else will have access to. So look, you can uh, keep watching and listening as a free member. That's great. We appreciate you. However, we can have you, but we want to give back to you people because you're giving so much to us. And uh, we can do that by giving you tons of stuff. If you subscribe to our monthly Patreon, the link to that is in the uh, video description below as well. All right, Buck, so this Texas and Houston game coming up on Saturday, the Longhorns 23-and-a-half-point favorites now down in H-Town. But I want to play something that Sark said on Monday, and Sark will be available a little bit later today, so we'll have some more cuts from Steve Sarkeesian on tomorrow morning's show. But uh, coming out of the bye week, somebody asked Steve Sarkeesian where Texas can improve defensively going into the second half of the season, and here was his answer, and then I kind of want to debate why this – it's going to be interesting against Houston this weekend. I
2: think defensively, you know, we, we've played really good football on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but naturally, as I, as I look at our, uh, ourselves defensively, an area where I know we can improve is – we've got to take the ball off of people more. And we've got to attempt to take the ball off of people more. You know, we, um, we've we created some interceptions, but we really haven't knocked the ball off of people and created turnovers. And I know we're more than capable of doing it. But sometimes, it's like anything, things can get lost throughout the season. And we're trying to defend the run and defend the pass and all the different things. But we have got to continually, as a staff, emphasize getting the ball off of our opponents. Um, so that, that for sure is something there. Uh, I love the fact that we're we're attacking the kicking game the way that we are uh, on special teams, and, you know, we we – blocked the punt last week. I really think we should have blocked the second one. We just kind of slipped and our angle got off. We've been really close on the field goal game of blocking kicks there. So um, I I like that, but man, I think we can be even more effective on special teams. And so that's like anything. We're constantly trying to push our guys, but to push our players, we have to push our staff, right? Our staff's got to keep working towards those things as well. So all in all, um, I'm pleased uh, with where we're at at this point um, in all three phases, but also know we can be better. And, and that's our job then to motivate the guys to continue to improve now in the second half of the season. You know,
1: it's harder when he talks about the special teams. You know, he'd, he'd like to get things happening in the special teams. But the special teams generally is somebody else's mistake. You know what I mean? A muff punt. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not that many where you get, you know, collisions that make the guy drop the ball. It's generally the screw-up of the other team in special teams. The guy missed the block that, where the guy, you know, every once in a while, yes, you'll out-scheme somebody on a block punt. You know what I mean? Things like that, BK. But generally, it's the other team that makes the mistake on the special teams. Now, when it comes to hitting guys hard, when it comes to tackling and jarring the ball loose and you getting the ball and making the quarterback fumble and things like that, you know, Dylan Gabriel out there in space shaking and baking guys, the next guy who gets a chance to hit him needs to be stripping the ball away from him. He's not, he's not a running back. He's not used to all that. That's what he's talking about. This team last year, you know, with all the pressures that they had, they didn't get a lot of turnovers last year. But I, for some reason, I thought they hit harder than they do this year. And I've played against teams – you know, when I say hit harder, it's like the Alabama teams. When they come and they tackle you, guys at running back, oh, the ball got fumbled. I mean, you just got hit hard. I mean, you got – the ball got coughed up. A receiver catches it. Somebody in the secondary makes a hit. He coughed it up. They don't seem to hit they, – they're not hitting as hard. Hmm. You know, they're making tackles. They're making plays. They're still one of the best defenses in the country – they just don't get the turnovers. They don't. It's not like they're hitting to jar the ball loose. He wants more balls getting jarred loose, whether it's receivers, quarterbacks, or running backs carrying the ball. He wants harder hits. It doesn't seem – they don't seem to hit as hard. That doesn't mean they're not a good tackling team. They're just not a hard-hitting team. They're in the right places. I think they've done a fine job this year. So I'm not against that, but I know what he's looking for on the hits. You know, I think they – or, or he's harder. the second guy to come in there and make the strip, you know? You, th- you think they
0: hit harder last year than they do this
1: year? I did. I did. I, th- I, I thought there was a harder-hitting team last year. Interesting. You know? But, I, I, I mean, I don't see those hard hits. But that doesn't mean they're a poor tackling team. It doesn't mean they're not in the right spots. He wants the hits to count. I mean, really count. That ball just came loose. You don't see a lot of those. A lot of running backs just run with the ball against them. You know, the guys that are having some success, they're just running. They're not making them cough it up. He wants to see that ball coughed up. He wants to see a quarterback that gets sacked, fumble the football. He wants to see a wide receiver that makes a catch and tries to get that extra couple yards. He wants to see them pay for it by, if it's not the first guy, the second guy makes them fumble. He wants turnovers, yep. which all coaches want. But you know what they want more than anything? Good tackling.
0: Yep. Well, you know, Texas through the first five games was a great tackling team, but not so much against Oklahoma, right? I mean, Right. I feel like Jaleel Farouk just broke another tackle on the outside. And obviously Dylan Gabriel, you brought his name up. I mean, Texas couldn't bring that dude down in space nearly enough. You're right. And Sark talked about it. And most coaches talk about it. You want takeaways. Those are game-changing plays. Here's why I think this is interesting. Houston is second in the country in turnovers. They've only turned the ball over three times this year, Buck, in six games. And those three turnovers are three Donovan Smith interceptions. Houston has not lost a single fumble this season and they're not that good, right? They're three and three. They've got a loss to rice mixed in there and they're one and two in league play. And their only win came on that miracle. Hail Mary last week against West Virginia. They have not fumbled. At least they've not lost a fumble one time this year and they've only turned it over three times. So it, it would tell me something if Texas is able to create a couple of takeaways right this season because that's like the one thing Houston has done really well this year. That's protect the that's football. football so yeah. If Texas is able to do what Sark's talking about and to do what you're talking about, draw the ball loose a couple of times, force a fumble, and recover a fumble, that'd be the first time that's happened against Houston this year. If they're able to force an interception or two from Donovan Smith, like that'd be a big step in the right direction, and for me that wouldn't be – Ah, it's Houston. It doesn't matter. You should be able to force takeaways against them. No, that would be, Hey, maybe this is a a sign of things to come over the last half of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to refocus some of your goals and what you, what you need to do in order to continue to win. And for, for the Texas Longhorns, it's create turnovers. That's what they need to do. Oh, they're not a bad tackling team. They're in the position to make the tackles and bring a guy to the ground. Now they have to cause them to cough that baby up. That's what the head coach is looking for. He wants the ball going the other way. Uh, If there is a hit, he wants that second guy going in there and getting the football. But what he doesn't want to give up is guys trying to make hits with their heads down and missing tackles because you don't want to become all of a sudden that team that, oh, no, there's a tackling epidemic again You know, here at yep. the University of Texas. You don't want that. You want what you've been doing, but you now you're asking for just a little bit more when it comes to making the guys turn the ball over. I would prefer a really good tackling team to worrying about turnovers. I know that's the next phase in it, but yep. I don't want my guys all of a sudden trying to make these massive hits where, oh, hell, he missed him. Now the guy's going down the field for another 20 or going for a touchdown. Most coaches will take – most coaches will go step by step. First step is let's make the tackle. Yeah. Know? And this yeah. team is really good at that. So if it happens, that's great. If it doesn't and you're making solid tackles and nobody's getting any more extra yards, that's fine too. It's just yep. another phase in what he's looking for. Yeah. But everybody starts the year out, you know, they'll look at their stats. Like you said, they'll look at a team like Houston. They don't turn the ball over. So on the other side, they're going to go, we're going to force turnovers in this game. You know, and that's all a part of practice. That's a part of how you tackle, how you strip the second guy. You don't just do. That's not just a thought in your mind. You have to start practicing that stuff. And, you know, they had two weeks now. So maybe that's what they, they're getting in on, on, on a running back. If he does carry it, we're going to force him to fumble. If that big, tall quarterback sitting in the pocket, we're not just going back there to sack him. We're going there to strip sack him.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be an either-or situation, right? Like, you should be able to hit hard and wrap up and make the tackle. Like, Sure. I'm with you. I don't want to just be going mad and hit stick and just lowering the shoulder on everybody, sure. but not wrapping up to where the guy is able to break the tackle and just run for another 20 yards. But I'll
1: take one or the other, and that's fine with me. You know what I'm saying? But what I don't want is I don't want guys just taking themselves like missiles and just missing guys yeah. or the guy bounce off of them because he didn't wrap up because they were trying to make the guy fumble the ball. No, no, no. Hit that guy, get him down first. That's more important to me than and then trying to force turnovers. That's just another phase of what they need to do. I'm and with you. They just don't seem to hit as hard as they did last year for some reason. And that's fine with me. They're still one of the best tackling teams in football.
0: Well, I mean, to be an elite, a truly elite defense, you got to force turnovers. Well, that's Georgia.
1: Now you're talking about Georgia. You're talking well, about teams like
0: that. That's what they I- do. I did mention this yesterday, which I found this very fascinating. And maybe this talks about why Georgia just hasn't looked as good as they yes. have in the last two years. Uh, Texas right now ranks 70th in the country in takeaways per game. Not great, right? Middle of the pack, like very close to the actual middle of the pack. Right? But they're tied with three teams in that stat. They're tied with Washington. They're tied with Florida state and they're tied with Georgia.
1: Yeah, and those three teams can play defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are three top five teams in the country right, right. now. And Georgia is obviously the two-time defending national champions. So, um, like, you you can win, even if you don't take the ball away a bunch of times. Yes, but I think to, to truly become that elite defense that Sark wants to become, and I'm sure PK feels the same way, you've got to be able to create some takeaways. Yeah, look, it's the
1: Georgia of last year and the year right. before. It's not the Georgia of this year. The Georgia of last year and the year before – When you got hit, they're taking the ball away from you. When those linebackers came to get you and you were held up, that ball is going on the ground. They're not that way, but they still tackle well enough. You know what I'm saying? And it's just another step, BK. I I understand what Sarkis is is trying to do here because he knows his team is pretty good on defense, like he said. He knows they're good. Now let's go to the next phase of what we have to do in the next phase of our football season. Yeah. Let's force some turnovers.
0: And that's realistic, and that should be the goal, right? Sure, I agree. this is where this program is at right now. They should be trying to have elite everything. Yeah. And yeah, you talk about complimentary football, right? Like complementary football, the defense creates short fields for the offense by getting takeaways. You're like right. That's what you want. This offense still isn't as consistent as we would like for it to be. Obviously, the red zone is the biggest problem with that side of the ball right now. That's well documented, but it's not like this offense is perfect and they can just Drive 75, 80 yards at will whenever they want to. Like, if you can help them out with some shorter fields, I think that would go a long way into making Texas right. look like a legit CFP team once again. Well,
1: look at, the, look, at the, look at this football team offensively in the run game. They have one of the best runners in the country. They don't drop the ball. They don't put it on the ground. I mean, you, you can, for as much as they do run the ball, and we'd like for them to run even more, they take care of the football. Their running backs take care of the football. They yeah. really do. Their wide receivers, they take care of the football. And that's a huge plus when you're doing the things that, that they do offensively, especially in the running game. When you got one of the nation's leaders and you turn around and handing it off to them, you know, and that guy's taking care of the ball, that makes you feel really, really good as an offensive play caller. It just does. And, and, and the same thing with the wide receivers, those guys don't cough the ball up. And as I said, special teams and special teams. Generally, special teams is the mistake somebody else makes. It's not you being great at coaching. Now, I realize, as I said, every once in a while, what you do, you do scheme them up on punt blocks. You, you look for the weak link on the punt team for other teams. That's how these guys block these punts. Somebody makes a mistake, then they make a mistake and get away with it against teams that aren't that great, but they're getting away with it. They've got a weak link on that, on that punt block, you know, on that punt protection team, and mm-hmm. you go after that, and you practice that over and over and over, and you look at the film over and over again. The same guy makes the, the bad footwork, who's supposed to be blocking on the outside, or there's not a strong guy inside. You take advantage of those guys. You know what I'm saying? You go after those guys. But that's generally not – it's you scheming it up, but it also is their weak link. You know, yep. you don't see it on on guys that return punts and stuff. Like, for me, Texas weak link is the fact still, to me, special teams-wise is, are they going to feel the punts? Is it going to bounce? Are they going to lose? That's just it. For me, there's another. I know what your weak Lincoln. It's the guy who kicks the field goals and the extra points still bothers you. That still worries you every time he goes out on the field.
0: Not as much. I mean, he was great against Oklahoma. Like, Burt Auburn got his job done. He's got your
1: confidence back. You're, yeah. you're very confident in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I,
0: I feel good about where he's at I'm right still now.
1: always shaky about punt return because that's still, that still scares me a bit right there. Yeah. And that's really the mistake that you make. It's not because they've made you cough it up. It's because you didn't feel the ball cleanly or you didn't protect it. Or you, there's one that you should have let go ahead and bounce. Screw it. You got the ball, but you tried to make a great play on. So that's the the other guy's mistake.
0: Well, would you have considered making a change at punt returner? Right, Xavier no. Worthy has been the guy this year, and obviously Texas has had two weeks to figure some things out. Would you have made a move?
1: No, no, he's he's fine. This 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 is me taking one of my stars and saying I'm not putting anybody. I'm I'm now I'm like like the head coach. Oh no, not now. I'm trying to win a championship. I'm not doing that. That's like when they put the freshman running back in the game in the third and fourth quarter, and it's you know it's a tight football game, and just to just to think you're giving him a blow or I trust in this guy. No, I'm not having anybody's trust there. That's when I leave guys like Ricky Williams. And sorry, uh, sorry, Wayne McGarity, you can't come in right now. I'm going to leave Ricky in the football game. That's just the way. That's just my trust factor right there. I'm not putting you in to have two carries to say you got 12 carries in the game. No thanks. I'm not looking for stats here. I'm, looking, I'm trying to win a football game right now. And that guy has more of a chance of taking a taking the ball the distance than you do. That's my trust in me knowing my players right there, you know. I just yep. don't, I don't do that. But this team seems to, you know, I want to give this young guy a couple snaps. I'm not, no. Again, there's, there's now, for me, there's other teams that we can play against that aren't as good as, as, the, as, as an Oklahoma. Like, yeah, this week, yeah, thank you very much. You want to do that this week? You want to bring in C.J. Baxter and bring him in for a series or two? Okay. That, that's, yeah. fine against, that's fine against Houston, but let's do it early. Let's not be in a – if you're in a, in a battle in the third and fourth quarter, no thank you. I want to give Jonathan Brooks as many carries t- because that guy has a, a history now. Now This is not something that just casually happens. He has a history now of breaking off you know a 25-yard or a 20-or-more yard for a touchdown. So give him as many opportunities as you can give him.
0: Agreed. I mean, he might be the favorite to win the Doak Walker award right now. He's the best running back at college football. Like, right. Give that guy the rock. He's got more total yards through six weeks than Bijan had through six weeks last year.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you, and you underused that guy last year, one of the no. best players in the country. You know, a first-round draft pick at running back. So don't do it again. Don't find yourself in that position where you say, man, if I had given that guy eight more carries, that'll be on you. If you, just, if, if you look in the mirror and, you, and you're the Clay Carl, the head coach, and at the end of the game, if I would have only given him another eight carries, you can't get to that part.
0: Well, this is rich coming from you. As yeah, our guy CB says you robbed Ricky Williams of a thousand yards his freshman year because you wanted to play some other jabronis.
1: How can it be possible? I'm trying to win the game. Did we, did we win the game? We won the football game. We beat Texas A&M. a and rival, a rivalry game that, dude, if, if I'm doing the wrong things there, then so be it. But most of that time I did the right things. And 10 yards, all you had to do is tell me that's what he needed. I'd have got him 10 yards. I texted you, man. You didn't text me. What have, I texted what you was, as like one? a three-year-old living in
0: Kansas City. I texted you.
1: No. If that would have come down, just a simple tap on the shoulder, believe me, I would have told Makrovic. I would have just said it to him. Or I, I would have been right in his ear. Ricky needs 10 yards. All I mm-hmm. needed was a message. I didn't get a message from God. I didn't get a message from the SID. I didn't get a message from any of the players. No, you didn't say I didn't get that phone call. I didn't have my phone. I don't have my phone on the sideline with me. Mm,
0: You think that fake mom, Sandra Bullock, called you? She's trying to tell you to run the dang ball
1: with Rick. Ricky's mom didn't call me. Nobody called. Hey, if I'd have known that, all I needed was a simple tap. I didn't need, you know, somebody could have tapped me out if they would have had to. Oh, fuck, he needs 10 yards. Oh, oh, really? Okay, I'll get him 10 yards. I'll go tell the head coach. Let's get that done. Hey, did I get Howard Griffith eight touchdowns in one game? I knew about that by halftime. You know why? Because somebody had told me, dude, this guy is three touchdowns away from breaking the all-time record of eight touchdowns in one game. I was told that at halftime. And guess what? Dude, we were up by three touchdowns. Did I, did I hesitate to send Howard back in at the 10-yard line? Hey, come on in here. Let's go. Sports Illustrated will be on our campus all week long. Get in there and get you eight right there. All I needed to do was be told. I wasn't, I wasn't keeping that in my mind that he'd already scored a bunch of touchdowns, five touchdowns. No, I'm a communicator. Communicate with me. I'll communicate with you. I'm I'll text, get it done.
0: I'm going to text Sark during the game on Saturday and be like, give Jonathan Brooks the ball more, please.
1: Yeah, if you've got his number. I mean, the dude doesn't have his phone on the sideline. <laughs> He's not Joe Horn. No, he doesn't carry his phone. No, he's got other things to do. He's not Chris Boyd tweeting out about the transfer portal at no, halftime. No, we're not there. We're not gonna do those kind of things. What about Shador
0: Sanders tweeting out his merch I mean, links?
1: Hey, I mean, can you see my watch there, Shador? Yeah, really. Check that out. Really. Come oh, on now. Amazing. No, there's there's a there's a those little intricacies of, of the game that you just I mean, it's I mean, I love I love I like Sark's attitude about this. This probably is the next phase because it's the second half of the season. You still got to be goal setting. You still got three or four goals that you need to be looking for. First one, obviously, is to win the game no matter what, by a point, by a field goal, win the freaking game because everybody can have a bad day, and you can have more than one or two players out there having a bad day, or you can have, you know, you can have a couple coaches having a bad day too. So just win the game first of all. But you still, but but you he's right about these turnovers. It's been like that for two years, BK. This team, all the great pressures that they had, they led the nation in pressures last year. They just didn't force the turnovers that they needed to. So in order to be, like you said, a great defense, not just a good defense, you got to make them turn the ball, you got to make them cough it up.
0: Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's hear one more from Steve Sarkeesian since we're talking about the defense. How about some of the young guys on the defense? Anthony Hill, Malik Muhammad, Derek Williams. Those three guys have played a decent amount. Thus far this season, somebody asked Steve Sarkeesian on Monday if those three guys and maybe a couple of other freshmen will get some more run here in the second half of the year.
2: I think they'll expand to some degree, but that degree is a lot of going to be dictated on how do they continue to improve, um, You know, where's their level of understanding week in and week out, their mental preparation, their practice habits. Two, a lot of that's going to depend on some of the guys that they're competing for playing time with. How do they practice? How do they prepare? I want a highly competitive team. I want guys that are fighting for snaps and, and doing all the things necessary to earn to earn playing time and to and to earn snaps because we're a better team when we play more players, right? Uh, that that's how you're fresh in the fourth quarter and and you can play that style of football for for sixty minutes. And so, uh, but they're they're going to earn those things, you know, predicated on, like I said, their mental preparation in the game plan, their ability to. Exhibit that in practice to give us the confidence to put them out there more. Uh, and then ultimately, when it comes down to time to play, how they play in those moments. And so, um, but but again, all those guys have earned it up until this point. They've done a good job, and hopefully they can continue to progress.
1: Yeah. Are you confident in your players? That's Are you confident in that guy at that particular time of a game? You know, you can put them in there, and they can do okay, and, and you'll feel fine. Are you going to – what part of the game are you going to put them in? Are you just trying to get snaps in a real live football game or are you trying to – are you confident in that person? I don't put – if I'm not confident as a coach, I don't put them in the game. I don't care what particular time of the game is. Oh, no, we're up – you know, we're up by this. No, I always think the game is, you know, still going to be close. If I'm up three touchdowns, BK, I've I always been nervous about putting guys in just for the sake of saying I put him in. I gave him an opportunity. No, I don't want I, – I, if I don't feel confident and I feel like there's a possibility that dude making a mistake, no thank you, just don't do it. I mean, so it'll be the confidence level of what the secondary coach feels like. Mm-hmm. I mean, the secondary coach did watch the Oklahoma game, I believe. There, there, there can't be an overwhelming amount of confidence in those young guys. But they've had two weeks now. How have they practiced? Like Sark said, how have they practiced? I mean, you don't – really. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to have better receivers at Houston – then they have at the University of Texas that you're practicing against? No. I don't, I don't think so.
0: They've got good receivers at Houston, though. That might be the strength of their football team, right? Sam Brown, the West Virginia transfer. Texas has seen him a couple of times. Yes. Matthew Golden, one of the highest-rated recruits in Houston history. He's really good. The kid Joseph Manjack, uh, who made the great play to keep that Hail Mary alive last Thursday, he's solid. So – they do have some guys on the outside, like and Houston's passing attack has been the strength of their football team with Donovan Smith at quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, let me ask you, do you trust those guys? Like, I, I, I trust those guys. Anthony Hill's been great this
1: year. Well, I, I, trust, the line, I trust the linebacker because, I mean, he's not that focal, – the focal point of those cornerbacks, those guys that get one-on-ones back there or where you see a guy, you know, take a false step or a slip, that's when you look and go, damn, you know. You know, you want do You want you want you want guys who are solid back there that have been through those fires back in that secondary. I always get nervous about young secondary players. Sure. I, I just do. I always say, oh, it's not the time yet. Their time will come. And in that sure. in that Oklahoma game, I saw four and five star guys look like they were very young football players. Yeah, okay, the experience, but I don't want to get experience at the at, at, at for a loss and say, well, at least they got the experience. No, hell no. I want him to get experience. Hell, I want him to get an experience against Houston when I can win, you know? Right.
0: Well, yeah, I feel good about those guys. Like sure. I thought Derek Williams played a good game against Oklahoma. Uh, for me, like I'm not the biggest Texas in those guys out there. I'm pretty layman when it comes to football watching too. Um, I don't want to notice the safety. I didn't notice Derek Williams a lot. I feel like if I'm talking about the safety a lot, it's because the safety is getting burned or he's yes, missing tackles. And Derek Williams, like, just just did his thing. He was fine. He wasn't getting beat a whole lot. I thought he played pretty well against Oklahoma, and I feel pretty good about that guy. Uh, Muhammad on that last drive where Oklahoma scored the game winning touchdown, he missed a tackle. He got beat by Farouk on one of those hitch routes on the outside. Didn't make the tackle, allowed Farouk to pick up, like, 15 extra yards. Yeah, they weren't good in space,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: for the most part, like, Muhammad, I think, has had a very good freshman year. Uh, Look, I'd rather have Ryan Watts out there. Yes, like, you I, would. I hope Ryan Watts plays, and I'm sure we'll get an update from Sark today about Ryan Watts' status for Saturday. But if Houston, you're going to
1: give a guy a chance, this is the game you give these young guys some opportunities. I, I mean, I, I don't think this has anything to
0: do with Houston. I think, like, these guys might be the best players at their position right now. Like, I, I don't think this is oh, your 23-and-a-half-point favorites. You can play these freshmen early against Houston because they suck. Like, there are some guys on this team where, yeah, 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 yeah. like Like, play them. Like, C.J. Baxter. Like, Jonathan Brooks is the best running back on the team, but you should be able to play C.J. Baxter a decent sure. amount because it's Houston. But for me, like Anthony Hill might be your best option. They're coming off the edge or maybe as a spy for Donovan Smith because we saw him do that really I'm well. I'm expecting
1: to see another quarterback get in the game this week.
0: Uh, oh, in the fourth quarter? You want to see Malik Murphy?
1: I'd I love to see him. At the end huh. of the third or fourth quarter, I'd like to see whoever the whoever the backup quarterback is, I'd like to see them get an opportunity in this particular football game, and they should. Yeah, I would
0: love to see that. Like we saw it in Waco, right? Yeah. Actually took care of their business as a big road favorite against Baylor. You got to see a lot of the second and third teamers play at the end, including Malik Murphy. Uh, yeah, that's the hope. Like, do the same thing this weekend and get Malik Murphy some, some in-game reps, just in case something happens to Quinn Ewers. Like, I've got some faith in Malik Murphy, but I'd have more faith in him if he actually got to play more in-games. Right. Uh, like practice reports are one thing. Uh, spring games are another thing, but Uh, yeah. In game experience, you can't replicate that. Yeah, and that's
1: why I think about these secondary guys. I mean, I, you know, you hear about them in spring games. You hear about them in practice. You know, in the summertime, but there are still those little things that, as a secondary safety or cornerback, you know, false steps. Some things that you see when you look at it in a game, and you go, "Uh oh, they're kind of young. They're going to make. They're going to make these." But say, hell, the veteran guys make those false steps? They make mistakes too. It's not like the freshmen are the only guys. It's not like we have all Americans sitting in their secondary. We right. have some good players, but we don't have, you know, first round, second round draft picks sitting in our secondary. It's just not there. No, We don't have that type of player. Maybe these young guys will grow into that. But right now, they're a long way away after I saw that Oklahoma game. I saw them in space, like you said, against that dude, Farouk. That dude looked like Gale Sayers against those guys. <laughs> yeah, You know, I mean, he was helping yeah. them cross their feet up and everything else. Every time he caught it, it was like, uh-oh. What's going to happen now? It's not just the fact you caught it. It's the fact that how do you bring this dude down? How yeah. many of you is it going to take? Because a single guy never did it.
0: Yeah, that's the missed tackles, right? They were very good tackling, very good at tackling to the first sure. five games, but not so much against Oklahoma. But yeah, there, Oklahoma knew that.
1: that. They, they, they knew once they knew what that lineup was going to be. They understood that through, right. I mean, they, they see that guy at practice shaking up veteran players for them. And although they may not be that great, They know when there's a good player catching the ball and running with it. They know that for sure.
0: Well, there's no, to your earlier point, there's no Aaron Ross on this team. There's no No. Nathan Vasher. There's no Rod B. Like, they don't have that yet. So maybe these guys will develop into that. But, uh, yeah, you don't have, like, the elitist of the elite secondary talent. The secondary's in a better spot than it has been in most years over the last 12 to 15. But, yeah, I mean, Ryan Watts is – Maybe your best guy back there. Today, Barron's been great, too. I don't want to sleep on those guys. But well, no, that guy's
1: been fantastic.
0: Those those guys are like day two, day three picks in the NFL draft. You don't have, like, that just game-changing, all-American caliber player, the Jim Thorpe Award finalist. No. Like, you don't have one of those guys right now. So you got to work with what you've got. I still think Texas' the secondary is fine, um, and I, I think they'll look okay this weekend, but – uh yeah no there's room
1: room for improvement there and for for the running back position yes this is the game that you get a couple running backs in there to to give your star a break but dude it's it's not a third or fourth quarter deal in a ball game where you're up just two touchdowns no you give him another opportunity to break a long one you know he's he's that guy He's, yeah, he's well, the, if you're up by no,
0: you, I disagree with you. If you're up by two touchdowns, you can put Baxter in. If you're tied, then you you leave Jonathan Brooks in. If you're up by two scores in the fourth quarter, then I think CJ Baxter can get a little bit of run.
1: Yeah, because we've seen we've seen well, we've seen enough of him. He, it's not like he goes in there and drops the ball on the ground. Right. All right. He's yeah. a capable up running back for sure. The
0: issue the issue that I have and I think it's the same one you have is, you know, fourth quarter against Oklahoma, like Jonathan Brooks needs to be getting those yes. carries. But that in was a, a, in one, a big time game like yeah, that. Yeah, that was a one possession game throughout. Like you need your best players on the field as often as possible there and uh Jonathan Brooks He's their the best, best weapon
1: on offense. It's yeah. not just a good play. He's their best weapon that they have on offense right Forget now.
0: Forget offense. He's the best player on the team. Like it, it's it's him or the punter right now, I think. Punter's been good. Ryan Sanborn.
1: It's because you've been on that other kicker so hard. You got to give the punter. Punter's been
0: great. He's He's not Michael Dixon or anything, but he's been great. He's pretty good. Oh, man. Hey, as our guy, Ruse uh, Goofy Growing, well, that's tough to say. Ruse Goofy Growing, who's always in here. Appreciate you, Ruse. As he says, smash the like button. If you're in here, give us the thumbs up. Really helps the channel grow. We're getting closer and closer to six thousand subscribers. I think we're How the we
1: algorithm-wise. Who- I mean I, I don't I haven't felt the algorithms in me lately. N- uh
0: never good enough. YouTube hates me. I don't know what it is. Okay. YouTube- well
1: let's 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 start to punch that a little bit with the algorithms because I'll let you know this next week it's going to rain probably next Wednesday. No, not probably next Wednesday will there'll be rain. There will be precipitation around our area. So you're, put, you're putting in the call. Yeah the call is the call is in. My bag has already indicated to me it will rain next next Wednesday.
0: So how does this work for you? Like your back starts to tingle and then what? You go to weatherchannel.com and see what they say and then you just combine I don't trust two?
1: in I don't trust in what they say. They're talking about rain like all of next week. They're they're starting it off like Monday and Tuesday, the possibilities. I'm not giving you possibilities. I'm telling you it's going to rain on Wednesday, okay? But mm. remember, I still have a 24-hour, you know, there's still that 24-hour window for me. Yep, so you get what, Tuesday and Thursday? Thank you very much. That only seems fair. Still better than 90% of those people.
0: You know, it's funny because I'm looking at my weather app right now, and it says it's going to rain on Tuesday and Thursday. So that's why you're calling Wednesday, so you get
1: credit for both. I don't look at those apps. You know Mm. what I'm saying? I look at the apps like ours that work. You're looking at the apps like other radio stations. They have them, but they don't work. You know what I'm saying? It really is. It's, it's like not that. looking
0: at a radio station app right now. It's dude. not like
1: when the tree falls in the woods and nobody's in the woods. Did that the, that the tree really fall? Did the app really work when you can't hear the station? What's the difference? Yeah. You no. Know,
0: you talk about possibility of rain. There's a possibility of some
1: bullshit the next couple of days.
0: <laughs> 94 tomorrow and 93 on Saturday. Are you I don't control heat.
1: I don't do the. I don't do heat. I don't – I only do – remember, I only do rain. I don't do coal. I'll give you my prediction of when winter will come, unlike the one that you've been throwing out here from – I don't know. People that have been doing this forever. So I don't know no. if they're part of the Farmer's Almanac. It's almost time for me to gather the Farmer's Almanac for 2024, as a matter of fact.
0: You know, our guy Rodney's a believer in the Farmer's Almanac, too. Of course he is.
1: Well, yes, he's a damn farmer. He should be. Yeah, it's our guy, Rodney, who's watching
0: today. Swamp ass out at Coda. Yeah, thankfully, <laughs> oh Monday the high is only 87. So on race Day, uh, I guess it will be a little cooler. But obviously, there are a ton of people out there Friday, a ton of people out there Saturday. Oh,
1: it's going to be warm on Saturday.
0: I got to get out there. I got to go to SentexTickets.com and, and yes. scoop, scoop me some uh, F1 tickets. If you're looking for some F1 tickets, SentexTickets.com. If you're trying to go to the Texas-Houston game in H-Town, SentexTickets.com. If you're trying to go to Rangers Astros, you know it is. You know what it is. SentexTickets.com. They've got all the tickets
1: to all the events all year round. Well, Shelby's telling me, hey, if you're making plans, and you should have been making plans about the Super Bowl, he goes, give him a buzz at Sentex. Now, those ain't cheap, no. but he's going to have them, let me tell you.
0: Yep, he's the best. The whole team over there at Sentex uh, Tickets doing great work. And speaking of CODA. Shout out to Dakota, Dakota Text yes. Line, 512 222 9328. We get a uh, good morning, gentlemen. Kelsey Plum is hot. Do you know who that is,
1: Buck? I do not.
0: She's uh, a WNBA player on the now two time defending champion Las Vegas Aces. Really? You know, I watched the Kelsey Plum game.
1: You, you did not watch a- last night. You didn't watch that last of night. Of course night. I did.
0: A champion was crowned. I watched the Texas volleyball game, big comeback win. Those are champions.
1: Those are champions for sure. Champs. And then I watched the WNBA. Yeah, I don't watch the. Sorry, I do not watch the WNBA. Well, you you sorry hate women. Reading. We know that you I hate. Women. No, it's not that. I You're don't. a long time misogynist. No, you know who I do like. I, I I have grown into liking the women's game in college basketball. Mm. Thank you to my girl Kim. Uh, yes, um, Coach Mulkey. You know Dwayne Mulkey. You know, I I do like I like the women's game. I've come a long way in watching women's basketball in college. The WNBA, so sorry, no thank you.
0: As our guy New York Sal says, the New York Liberty choked.
1: Yeah. Come on, Sal, you're not. I know Sal's not. He didn't watch one bit of that. He picks up the Daily News there in New York. He picks up the Wall Street Journal, and believe me, he's not worrying about the Liberty. He's worried about. The J-E-T-E, Jets, 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 and the football giants right now. Mm-hmm. And he's not. And even he's, although he's in New York, he doesn't care about the Bills. You never hear Sal ever. All these years, I've never heard Sal say anything about the Buffalo Bills. Are oh. they really in New York or are they in Canada?
0: Nobody in New York cares about the Bills. It's only people in Buffalo, and that's a different state, I think. And, and
1: Canada. Yeah. That's, a, that's right. The different country. That's, that's the only thing they care about. Nobody yeah. cares about the Bills.
0: No, no. You know where the aces were before they were in Vegas though, right? Charlotte, San Antonio. Remember, remember when I went to that San Antonio silver stars game because of a lost bet with Trey back on the old midday show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. To act like a diehard super fan. What kind of gear did you wear? I had to buy a freaking shirt. It was like a $50 shirt.
1: Like one of those hunting shirts that they wear. That I see yeah. out there with all the different, the, the camouflage that I see in the stands of the ladies that go to those games. No, I
0: was visible. Camouflage. They were a yeah, bunch they, of
1: camouflage. They wear some really different kind of shirts. They don't, it's not like they have the, the cutoff things. They have like fully clothed really deep. Like they're going like dove hunting later on that day mm-hmm. or night or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, this is uh oh this is a great comment here from Jason.
1: I was the Silver Stars version of
0: the Chargers lady. This <laughs> this was me. Oh my oh dude. Oh I gotta we'll bring we'll bring some of that video back maybe for oh, tomorrow. No. But I was everyone in that whole arena knew who I was, dude. I mean there was only like two thousand people there. It's Part of the reason why San Antonio lost its. You WNBA. were the only
1: dude in there. That's what I it was
0: going nuts. The
1: refs knew who I was. The players, the coaches were the only one. Two dudes in there.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Me and a couple of dads on the uh, <laughs> for the players in the refs. I think those were the dudes who were in the building that day. Oh man! All right. By the, way, uh, the ladies
1: are doing a fantastic job in the NFL of officiating. I've seen a couple of the ladies. I don't know their names, no, but I've been watching them when they're out there. They've, doing, they've been doing fantastic. And they don't take any guff from dudes on the sideline either. I I saw one put her finger up to her face like this to one of the coaches. Like, shh, hey, you, quiet over there. Or I'll drop this red flag and we'll have some problems here. I love it. Oh, I yeah. Love it. Oh, the lady refs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't take it because you know all the craps you get on the sideline. If you just walk by, there will be you'll get effed on and everything else. And you won't know where, who it's coming from. But you'll, whatever, this one knew where it's coming from, and she put her finger up to her mouth like, shush there, junior. Mm. Or I'll drop I, this, this big red one right here on you.
0: I could never be a ref for so many reasons. But the number one reason, I think, is I wouldn't be able to not tell the coach to F off when he's oh, telling yeah. me to F off.
1: Yeah, well, you can't do that to the players. You can't then go yeah. F off a player. That's, that's hard to do. That's, that's hard, man. I've, I've had my one 15-yard penalty when I was at Texas. When the coach said, is that on you? And I said, yeah, that's me, coach. What did you say me. to the ref? Well, I was told to get back numerous times, but because I was in charge of making sure for a while, there, I was in charge of making sure that John Magovic didn't get hit, did get clobbered because he had a, the ability to stand out on the field thinking that he was like God and nobody would hit him. And after he got hit like the second time when he was like crying, like, oh, how did this happen to me? How did you let this happen to me? I'm like, dude, I got out on the field, and the ref says, listen, get back. And I got out there once, and he dropped it at my feet, like oh, like literally like that commercial where that replay deal they did. Yeah, he like dropped it at my feet, like boom. I'm like, what's this about? And so Magnick says, is that on you? I'm like, yeah, that's me, coach. That's funny. I never oh. heard that. Oh, hmm. he, he ripped me up and down on that sideline. You know, we talked to the players, and there you are i like, I'm out here trying to protect you, skin and bones. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm barely able to protect myself, and I'm looking to protect you. I always had a player who protected me, BK, on the field. I had one of the scrubs. That was his job. You really? want to get in the game eventually, someday? So your parents, on, 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 on Parents' Day, last game, you may want to get in there. And this one, this one had nothing to do with the mobster's dad from Boston College, who I got in the game because I didn't want to be in the river. So – <laughs> I got him in there for a reason, and everybody was like, "Don't stand near, Coach. Don't stand near him. This dude's dad is here with the whole gang." So, I was like, "Yeah, you're in charge of making sure nobody hits me on the sideline. That's your job. You got a uniform on. Yeah. So when the action comes my way, and I may have not have my head on a swivel, if I get hit, you got a problem." He was just standing
0: next to you the whole time.
1: Just to oh make yeah, sure. it was like people were like, "Is he trying to get in the game, or what's the deal with him?" I said, "No, he's there to protect me." Yeah. I got no uniform on. I can't, I can't take one of these hits. You had a
0: player and you had a life alert to protect you. I right? did not
1: have a life alert, and no, I'm not, I'm still not doing life alert for Christmas. Thank you for the thoughts, everybody. But no, no, life alert is not no. You don't
0: get to tell me what I get you for Christmas. This is my call, it's my gift.
1: Come on. Life alert. No, no. All
0: senior citizens should have life alert.
1: You think that's a part of the gig as a senior citizen? You should have a life alert?
0: That's just what the slogan was in the commercial. Oh, okay.
1: Okay, <laughs> there, Tua. Tua should have one. Tua's been doing good. Good job there for my fall school. Love that guy. Yeah, a
0: couple other texts from the Dakota text line. I'm not putting my hands anywhere near Pam coming. so I don't want to put my hands anywhere near where Buck's hands have been.
1: Mother Earth, huh?
0: And then someone wow. asks, Is that Sal from Fat Sals? No, different Sal. Sal from Fat Sals is a good dude. Yeah. you go to Fat Sals when it was here? I did. Oh man, freaking love that place. One of my good buddies in college was like a manager at the one on the drag. Oh, I really? Would, I would go. Oh man, I would go all the time. I love that place.
1: I miss but now, it. Would, you, would you go to, did you go, was there a Jack Allen's kitchen back in that day? Um, no. Man, dude, I was like, when I was in college,
0: I literally went to two places West Campus and Sixth Street. I didn't even go to campus. I was walking through campus the other day to get to Gregory for the basketball scrimmage. I'm like, what the hell are all these buildings doing here? <laughs> those those higher here? education buildings? Yeah. Like, what what's going on here? Like, dude, I didn't I didn't know what Zilker Park was when I was in school. I didn't know there was a lake here, let alone a couple of lakes.
1: Well, hell, when you when we went to take pictures at the Capitol, they used to, you you did take a shortcut through the Capitol at one time, right? To get back from one part of campus to the other. Oh,
0: yeah. I I walked back from six to the uh to the West Campus a few times. Yeah, slept in the lawn at the capitol a time or two (laughs)
1: yeah wow that
0: was that was on the way if it was uh anywhere between like west campus and sixth street then i knew about it but anything else nah man when i was in school i didn't know places like jack allen's existed but thankfully i know now because that place is freaking awesome absolutely And, and i go all the time the uh the oak hill one pretty close to us i feel like i'm at the anderson one more than any i love uh love that spot And yeah, if if you've been, you know what we're talking about. Five Mm -hmm. Austin area locations all over Central Texas. It is uh, down south cooking with a great twist. Incredible service, full bar. They've got the Altstadt beer there as well. So make sure you're uh, washing down your great food with the greatness of Altstadt beer. Yeah, Jack Allen's has something for everyone in the family, everyone at the office. Or hey, if you're just looking for a great meal for yourself, no better dining experience than Jack Allen's Kitchen.
1: Shout and a big shout out to Brad, the manager yep. over there out, out north yep. of Anderson Lane there as he continues his battle. You know, he battled cancer. He's still fighting. He will continue to fight. Love that guy. Yeah, he's great one dude. of the
0: best dudes in the world, man. The, yep. uh, the dictionary picture of salt of the earth. Absolutely. Right yeah, great, great people. Shout out to Jack Allen's kitchen. And uh, also a shout out. Let's get a recorded spot here for our guy Tom McKay in audio visual. Consultations.
2: Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here and the time is now to get your
3: entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video,
2: Dolby True HD Surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678 or on the web at avconsultations.com
1: drinking water in the morning i never see you drinking she said if that dude takes a drink you need to take two drinks come on i said back in the day if that dude took one shot i'd take four shots and be and be gone she said well try that with water try four shots you know i love water man you hate it i love it i don't like water i know it's 90 percent of my body but just wring it out of me and let's start all over without the water see what i'm like you know You see what you're like. You'd be dead. What do you mean? Come on, man. Just pour some over my head like uh, a chia pet and see if it grows. That's all.
0: <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Outside of Old Staten Olipop, man, water. That's it. Those are the those are the three things that I'm drinking these days. Shout out to AV Consultations too, of course. Hockey season is back. Football season. Baseball season. Basketball's right around the corner. It's all here, which means you need to make the call to AV Consult. Buck, let's do uh, your Heisman watch, shall Here we? We it is Thursday. Yeah. We do this every Thursday. The Buck gives his updated Heisman rankings, and then we compare them to the Vegas odds for the Heisman trophy. So I'll go to you first, my friend. What's your Heisman watch looking like this week?
1: Let's start off with the number one guy, Michael Penix Jr., no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it after last week's game and uh, what happened to Caleb Williams, although Caleb Williams is my number two now. He only drops from number one to number two. That's how good I think he is. Even if he has a bad night, he still is on everybody's list, I would think. Number three, little J.J. McCarthy from my sleeper team. That's right. Michigan, Wolf, not the, the Wolverines. I'm, I'm picking that. Still my sleeper, still doing well. And that guy's playing well, too, this year. I mean, he's not going to have these crazy numbers, but he's got really good numbers. He's undefeated. And we'll see as, as they move along. Number four for me. I am going to have to put Dylan Gabriel as my number four guy for the Heisman watch right now from Oklahoma and okay. that performance he had two weeks ago. Number five would be Bo Nix, even after the loss. I'm I'm putting Bo Nix as five. From that point on, that's it. Those top five, I think, that that's it for me for the top five. Now, I'm missing somebody. I know that, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good top five. like Except for, Florida, you- except for not
1: having Florida State's quarterback in there. Well, you have I don't what, know. Maybe Bo, Bo Nix gets out and I put him in there and make Bo Nix six, but I'm not going past five. So I'm still putting Bo Nix as number five, even after that game. He played well in that football game.
0: Yeah. Two touchdowns, no turnovers. He mm-hmm. did enough to win. Just, uh, you know, the defense couldn't hold. And Dan Landing made some questionable decisions. Oh, boy. Towards the end of the game. And, you know, Bo Nix on that fourth and three you know, didn't throw an interception, but did throw an incompletion. And, that uh, helped set Washington up for their game-winning touchdown. So you've got Penix, Caleb Williams, J.J. McCarthy, Dylan Gabriel, Bo Nix. Yes. Okay, here are the Vegas odds as we go into week eight of the college football season. Michael Penix Jr. is not only the favorite, he is a heavy favorite right now. Two to three. You don't even get plus money anymore. You got to give him up. Yep, you got to give money up to bet on Michael Penix Jr. right now. Uh, Yeah, the combination of his performance in that win over Oregon and Caleb Williams' performance in his loss at Notre Dame uh, caused a pretty big shift at the top of the Heisman odds. So Michael Penix Jr., number one. Jordan Travis. Yes. There's actually a three-way tie for second place. According to the bet online odds right now, it's Jordan Travis. It's JJ McCarthy and it's Dylan Gabriel. They're all at nine to one right now. And then number five, Jaden Daniels from LSU. Okay. Right after that is Drake may at North Carolina and you know, the Mac Browns team still undefeated. Drake may wasn't putting up great numbers in the first month of the year, but has turned it on over the last couple of weeks. And then Bo Nix, the aforementioned Bo Nix is uh, sitting there at number seven, Caleb Williams falling all the way to eight. After last week, he went from in some places, the favorite, there were a couple of sports books that had Penix as the favorite before last weekend, but still some had Caleb Williams as the number one guy. He went from there to number eight, at least on bet online. So man, I'm seeing 33 to one for Caleb Williams right now.
1: Is, Is that a bad bet? I don't think so. I mean, does he have – how many big – how many monster games does he have left? One or two?
0: I mean, yeah, in the Pac-12, they've got uh, like three or four ranked teams that they still well, have. Yeah, every
1: game that he plays is a big game now, I would believe.
0: Yeah, I mean, like – look, I think USC is going to lose at least one, if not two more games this season. So, if that happens, that probably eliminates Caleb Williams. They have not
1: played Oregon State yet, right?
0: Uh, No, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, well, that Oregon State defense is pretty good, so –
0: and they have to play UCLA still. They play Utah this weekend.
1: Yeah, here's the Oh my god. Yeah, they uh, have a tough schedule.
0: They don't play Oregon State this year, I beg your pardon. Okay. But here's what they, here's what they have. Utah at Cal, Washington at Oregon, UCLA. Oh. If they uh if they run the table in that stretch, then they'll be in the Pac-12 Championship game, they'll be back in the CFP conversation and yeah, Caleb sure. Williams will be very much in the Heisman race once again. So we better throw
1: eight touchdowns against Cal this week. God, I mean not next not this week next week.
0: I might uh yeah they got Utah this week. That's yeah. that's the game. There's a triple header on Fox on Saturday. It's Penn State Ohio State, it's Texas Houston and then it's USC Utah. That's uh the triple header on Big Fox this Saturday. So um yeah, I mean look at 33 to 1 for Caleb Williams. I, my cousin's going to put like 10 bucks down on that. Sure. Probably- Probably a loss because of that schedule and because of just how bad USC looks. But I mean, shoot, Caleb Williams was like three to one a couple of weeks ago. I think at one point he was like three to two to win the Heisman. So to get him at 33 to one right now, very unlikely. But yeah. uh, Cousins got to put a little sprinkle on that. Yeah, team. Michael
1: Penix Jr. is going to have a monster game here uh, uh, very shortly. One of those 500 yard passing games where it's out of this world. Oh, he you might know, have with some three of those. Yeah. I mean, he. He is – I mean, he's special to watch right now. And for Jay, the guy like J.J. McCarthy, all he has to do is turn around, hand it off to one of those running backs, be consistent, don't turn, turn the ball over. He's just going to be in it because of their football team. Yeah. You no? Know?
0: Yeah, he's playing well. He's putting up decent numbers, like you said. He doesn't set the world on fire. No. But he's doing everything right. Michigan's just kicking everybody's ass. But, you know, it's just like the Big Ten – like uh, JJ McCarthy's Heisman status is going to come down to how he plays in the two big games. They've right, and State they've got Ohio State, so uh, they got Michigan State this weekend. That's not really a big game. It is a rivalry game, of course, but Michigan State sucks. So I assume McCarthy's going to look pretty good, and Michigan's going to keep rolling this weekend. Yeah, and, but how does he look in the two big ones?
1: And you'll know more about it than I will because I, I, I haven't really looked that closely at Ohio State. That's a big. It's a huge game this weekend. But is it Ohio State's new quarterback okay? I mean, is he still kind of learning the ropes or is, are they just, I mean, are they just so talented around him? I know they've got the great running game. They've got, you know, they've got two fantastic wide receivers. Does he just have to throw the ball in that area or is he a pretty talented kid playing?
0: Uh, he's turned into a pretty talented kid. I mean, he looked great against Purdue last week. Now, Purdue sucks. Sure. Sorry, Hudson Card. But uh, no, he's, he's gotten better. Like early in the year, it was just like they were finding their way a little bit and the run Mm -hmm. game was good and the defense was good. And that was kind of carrying them, but he's up this play. I mean, he's not like, we just gave you the Heisman odds. He's not playing well enough to be in that conversation. Usually an Ohio state quarterback is in the mix for that award. And McCord's not at that level right now, but uh, no, he's, he's gotten better and he's not like a liability out there or anything. This will obviously be a good test. This is, uh, the best defense he's had to play. Notre Dame's defense was great. Ohio State won that game on a last-second touchdown, but they didn't do a ton offensively in South Bend. So we'll, we'll see. We'll learn a little bit more about Kyle McCord this Saturday in that game against the Nittany
1: Lions, but he's been fine. And the Nittany Lions quarterback is just – he's going to be really fantastic. He's hes a little bit above water right now. They've just got talent. They've got a talented offensive line. They've got running backs. they got wide receivers. But people in Pennsylvania – they, you know, they just don't like James Franklin, and they yep. don't like the offense run by former Texas Longhorn. They, they don't like the offense. They think it's way too vanilla. They don't do anything exciting on offense. They just got talented players. They don't yeah. have to do anything exciting.
0: Yeah, I think uh, – talking about was, Penn State? Yeah. Yeah, I think James Franklin – I think I heard Chip say this stat yesterday with Zay. I think he's 3-15 against top 10 teams at Penn State.
1: So, well, maybe that'll do it for you in the state of Pennsylvania. Maybe that's, so that's why they're all – like
0: always- – like Penn State's one of those weird
1: programs for me.
0: Like I know they want to be Ohio State and Michigan. They do. How realistic is that? Like are they ever going to be able to recruit? I mean, hell, Drew Aller, five-star kid from Ohio, that was a huge get. Ohio State wanted him. Penn State got him. So like they, they can win on the recruiting trail, but are they ever going to like – Ohio State's bringing in top five classes every year. Michigan's very close to that. Penn State's like top 15, which is good, which is yes. why they're pretty good every year. And, but they're, but like, and
1: they're nationally based. They can go, but they, they stay East Coast. They get mm-hmm. a lot of kids out of Jersey, a lot of kids from Pennsylvania, Jersey, North Carolina, those, the, those Eastern, they'll, they'll get those players, and they can compete with just about anybody to go there. But do, do they always they have to have two or three players to take them over the top. Now, there are two or three players that they have right now Play offensive line. I mean, they've got two first-round draft picks.
0: Yeah, on yeah. On the offensive
1: those, line. But yeah, the o,
0: O-line hasn't been that great. Like, those two guys have been awesome, but the, the O-line as a whole is like, I'm worried about Penn State's O-line against Ohio State's defensive front on Correct. Saturday. because
1: yeah, they've got good running backs. They've got two or three. They've got a whole boatload of running backs at Penn State. But the offensive line, it hasn't it, – they don't have these huge numbers. And you're right. They have two okay. guys on the offensive line that are fantastic pass blockers. But when it comes to run blocking – not so much, yeah, and they don't that, do anything. They don't do anything creative. Now, who's their who's their offensive coordinator? It was the guy with he was with Mac Brown, I believe. Um, well, we know they've got their defensive coordinator. We know who that is, right. Manny that, Diaz. That was a
0: guy with Mac Brown. I don't know who the Penn State OC is.
1: It's a former Texas. I'll OC. do a quick. I'll do a quick Google search. Yeah, hit the Googles. The Googles will let you know. But they've got two Texas former Texas coaches. Oh, Yursich, oh, Mike Yursich. Wasn't he at Texas for a while?
0: Mm, for a year, I think the COVID Is that what year. it was? This yeah, it was year. Herman's,
1: Herman's last year. Herman's guy, he was Herman's guy, okay.
0: Yeah, he was at Oklahoma State and Ohio State and in Texas for a year. Yeah, so
1: my friends in Pennsylvania blame me for sending him Yursich. Hey, thanks a lot. <laughs>
0: uh, like my Penn State thought is just be careful what you wish for.
1: Grass yeah, yeah,
0: ain't always right. and always greener. Like I don't think James Franklin is a great coach, but like they they won the Rose Bowl last year. I, I like Penn State wants to be a national championship contender, so they 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 might be thinking at some point like I oh, we got to move on from Franklin and be some uh, bring somebody else in. They do
1: like Manny Diaz. They think Manny Diaz is they love Manny, Di- Manny yeah, Diaz at know, Penn State. I know,
0: I know. He's been and good for them.
1: They think he'll get a gig this year. This will be his last year at Penn State. That somebody's going to hire that dude to be the head coach again. God bless whoever tries, because he's over two, right?
0: He got fired at Miami, then got fired at the synagogue, the temple. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what they call it. So there's uh, the Bucks updated Heisman watch going into week eight. The Buck and Vegas are aligned. I think everybody's aligned that uh, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington is the favorite right now. He's been awesome, and of course the Huskies undefeated, a top five team in college football. How about a word for uh,
1: Texas Orthopedics Buck? I love the folks at Texas Orthopedics, you know, because I've got those bone and joint problems for sure. Now, if you're seeking specialized patient-focused orthopedic care, do contact the experts, of course, and our friends at Texas Orthopedics. Their physicians offer comprehensive surgical and non-surgical orthopedic care. Yeah, they want to make sure that all the joints and everything are in working order before they do surgery. They want to see if they can fix it before you need surgery. But if you do need surgery, they've got it for you there, for children and adults. Spinal care, sports medicine, trauma care, joint replacements like the old knee of mine, rheumatology, and more. See Dr. Christopher Danny, who I coach at the University of Texas, and Chris Stockton, they are dedicated orthopedic surgeons there, and their goal is to get you back in good health and, of course, give you that great quality of life that you deserve. Do visit texasorthopedics.com. That's txortho.com. Texas Orthopedics, one of the largest independent orthopedic practices in the state. For more information, go to TXOrtho com. Yes,
0: indeed. Yes, indeed. They can turn your life around. And you know what else can turn your life around? A turn Slurpee from 7-Eleven. Yeah, baby. Come on now. Go see our friends at 7-Eleven. The Slurpees, the Big Gulps, the coffee if you're on your way to work. The little, Debbie. The little Debbie snacks. They've got those double-decker cream cool. pies. I know you're a big cream pie guy, Buck. That's what oh, I yeah. heard about you.
1: Yeah, man, I'm staying. I'm, I'm trying my best, but every time I walk into 7 Eleven, when I get my hard copy of the Austin American Statesman, I'm looking for Little Debbie's. But sometimes I have to back away from the from the counter over there. I know exactly where they are. I can go in there with my eyes closed and touch Little Debbie's. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to touch Little Debbie, but the Little Debbie's cakes, love them. Mm, so you're exactly hard when you are.
0: walk into 7 Eleven and you're ready to give Little Debbie your cream pie. Do I have oh, that right? Wow.
1: Oh my goodness, they've got everything at 7 Eleven. They've got all the great essential water that I need. They got the Ollie pop there. Heck, soon they'll be probably having your Allstat in there. Right? They probably do have your Allstat up there. I don't I don't
0: think they do at the one at Monterey Oaks, but I've seen Allstat at 7 Eleven.
1: That's called a boutique store.
0: <laughs> uh, we love 7-Eleven, man. Great stuff there. They've got all the snacks, all the drinks. Of course, gas for your car if you need that. Uh, our guy Ashish runs a few different 7 Elevens here in Austin, and he does a great job. And we love 7 so. Elevens. Absolutely. Shout out to them for their great partnership with us here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. And another recorded spot. How about this one from our friends over at
3: Pest? Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, pest wranglers, pest wranglers. What
2: are you doing? I'm
3: making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name.
2: But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews.
3: But how will people remember pest wranglers? Well,
2: once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company.
3: I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest
2: Wranglers, pest wranglers, pest wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it kinda hurt.
3: Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808, or find us on the web. Pestranglers.com. Yes, dude, let me them.
1: tell you, I love those folks. man. you know what? speaking of pests, dude, the mosquitoes are out. I I, I didn't realize that. I mean, we, we've had these temperatures, these 40 degree mornings, early mornings, but in the afternoon, the skeets are out. You know, they don't, you know, they don't they don't bother me. I don't get eaten up by mosquitoes. I don't know if it's they don't like the dark meat or whatever it is, but they don't tend to bother me. I know folks that like my poor wife is just getting mauled when she but she goes out there, but she's the weed eater in the family. She likes to get out there and get the weeds with the little weed eater. Yeah. And all the, all, the, all the animals follow her like she's Noah, you know, trying to get to the ark and everything else. But they, they seem to bother her. I mean, mosquitoes, they're out now? The hell's skeets. the deal? I hate skeets. I hate those. Uh,
0: not a big skeet guy, huh?
1: No, no, I don't like that sound in my ear. If, they're in my, if, they're in a, if there's one in a room and I hear it, I turn the lights on, I get all my gear on, and I start hunting. I get the 12-gauge out. I'll, I'll do anything to get those things away from me. Yeah, I'll blow them out of the air. How is that going to work? It's not going to work very well. You're going to shoot friends. a mosquito with a 12-gauge shotgun? Anything in the room gets hit with a 12-gauge. Yeah, anything.
0: A Except and for the mosquito. <laughs> that tiny thing is going to be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Shooting a gun at me?
1: He's got, there's holes all over the, the bedroom. Got to get rid of the skeets. I don't, like, I don't like them. Like I said, they very seldom bother me. People in the middle of the afternoon, they get bit by mosquitoes. There's something wrong with your blood, mm. okay? You've got probably a big bag of, you know, in your blood, so be careful. They big don't tend of, to bug me.
0: Big bag of what?
1: Like that bag that falls like off the desk. colostomy bag? <laughs> that bag that falls off the desk. One of those bags.
0: Oh, a sack of shit?
1: Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. It's not a bag. It's a sack. Goodness. And I'm glad you don't have any of those stories today for us. Uh, man, yeah.
0: call up Past Wranglers if you do have the skeets. Yeah, the skeets says there. So Bucky's a big cream pie guy and he does not like skeet in his no. ear. That's that's no. what we've learned from the book. Nobody
1: wants skeet in their ear for sure. <laughs> well, some people
0: do, I've learned, but.
1: Yeah, uh, that's true.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, my physical yesterday.
1: You didn't oh, yeah, me. man. What did, did they touch? <laughs> that's just the um, deal they had to touch something what did they touch well when i dropped my pants oh you they didn't do the cough did they i
0: told them i had just been in the pool and that's why it was so small it was, <laughs> it was, it was a lady doctor
1: you had a lady that's kind of cool isn't it yeah uh, that's better didn't... for you i don't do it with big hairy knuckles that's not always the case no. they use glove they go no glove on you And she went gloves okay Yep. Not quite as much fun, but that's okay for you. I
0: told her I was in the pool and she, she didn't think it was funny. And
1: Did then, you have to turn sideways? They don't do, they still don't make you cough. There's no such thing as that anymore.
0: Well, it never wanted, worked
1: before she, and it she, doesn't work now.
0: She just wanted to cop a feel, I guess. I don't Maybe know. that's
1: all it was. Yep. And then. No entry, no entry whatsoever. I asked,
0: I was like, what's the deal? Am I getting jelly finger here today? And she said,
1: no. And I'm like, well, can I volunteer? <laughs> and she said no again. He said no again. You're, they're not supposed to just turn you down. If there's something that you want, you're supposed to be able to get it. That's I why I have Charlie Medicare. Sh- and I got Medicare. I get everything that I need. Yeah, I'm
0: paying for it. I know. I'm Are, I got I wanted the Charlie Strong finger in there. Good lord. But your no. health
1: wise is good. They take any blood.
0: Yeah. So nice.
1: that's gonna was, be the problem when that comes back.
0: Yeah, I was kidding about all the other stuff. They didn't, I didn't drop the pants, no nut test. No. Yeah, she asked me, like, you know, how are the boys doing down there? And I'm like, good, you want to see?
1: <laughs> Quit it, lady. Quit getting so personal. <laughs> yeah, said, my, I'm my, a doctor, that's what happens. When I'm my, my
0: my favorite doctor's joke of all time is, you know, if you get uh, a lady doctor or a male doctor, it's up to you. And they're like, Are you sexually active? And you're like, Why are you trying to
2: <laughs>
0: really? <laughs> that's the best one, right there.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Uh, but no, in all seriousness. I did, man. I had a bad moment in the doctors yesterday. They took my blood. Uh, They didn't take my urine, which I had literally been drinking so much water and I didn't pee at all. I had to go all morning long yesterday during our show, thinking that I was going to have to do a urine test, but they didn't do that. Uh, But they did do blood And I'm talking to her, and she's like, are you scared of needles? Like, do you get wheezy or lightheaded with blood? And I'm like, no, I love this stuff. Like, I I usually stare at it. I stare at the needle going in. I stare at the blood coming out. I'm I'm a freak like that. And she takes the blood, and we're talking, we're talking. Like, a minute goes by, she's done. And then I'm like, whoa, I got lightheaded and dizzy. No. I had to go, like, lay down. I was sitting up when she took the blood, and I had to go back onto the, you know, like, the patient table and lay down for a minute. You're probably a pint low. Yeah, I guess so. And I'm like, oh, man, I felt so soft. I got back home. I was looking in the mirror, just calling myself a pee over and over again. Like, You're so on, soft, man. P uh, But, yeah, no, we made it, and I think we're okay. They're like, oh, we'll send you your results in three weeks and let you know if something is wrong, so.
1: She Hopefully didn't because, because they, they generally, when they take blood, they always, they, they come back and said, Oh, you're a pre pre-diabetic. You're not like going to lose toes yet, but you're on the verge of losing some toes, mm-hmm. uh, a foot or so. I, I always like that. uh We're not going to call you. We're going to just say you're pre-diabetic. I'm like, what the hell is pre? How many more steps do I need? Cause if I'm going to go, I need to go all the way. I need to get more little Debbie's. You know what I mean? I need more Snickers bars. You guys are just joking around and saying, Oh, You're only pre, really.
0: Well, the weird thing is, when she took blood out of my system, it wasn't blood; it was Taco Bell meat that came out. Oh,
1: big lumps! Oh Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad you're all right. I'm glad you wouldn't got that done. So, try not to make it another six or seven years. Get yourself a yearly deal. Yeah. Once again, I can give you some of my Medicare. You know, we can fraudulent do some things against Medicare, and you can go. For as many times as I go, take my, take one of mine. I didn't uh, I didn't realize the physical was
0: free too. I was like once a year, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I was like pulling out my credit card at the front at the end, and she's like, "No, oh,
1: you're you're good. That's a first? So now you can go for yearly checkup knowing it doesn't cost you anything. Well, I can,
0: but I feel like this one will qualify for the next what
1: ten years. 10 no, years? that's not how it works. Oh no.
0: I mean, I think I went once in my twenties. So now I'll go once in my 30s when I get there.
1: Yeah, that's what I try to tell them about, you know, the old colonoscopies. I'm like, hey, you told me it was okay. A couple – you said I could come back every 10 years. Now that thing's down to like five. Now it's like every six months, hey, we'd like to see you again. I know why you'd like to see me again. You guys had fun. I did not. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not – You think they enjoy doing that? There's Somebody enjoys it. When you're Uh, laying on that table – somebody's doing something there. You know what I mean? Don't they have to have something to talk about Dude, like how- in that room? That room's got to be just boring. I've been in that, that search. It's cold in there. There's like six people around you. I'm like, this should be a job for one. Why are you all gathered here? No, hey, no- what is this, like a breakfast deal? Is this the breakfast club?
0: <laughs> they're going replay review. They're, they're, they're looking at the monitor to see what's going on
1: in there. I don't get it. No wonder the medical – no wonder it costs so much to go into these places.
0: Man, wow. you uh, like no disrespect here, but how could you be married to someone who sticks their fingers up people's bungholes for a living?
1: Remember, I'm the same guy who would clean the shit up in the aisles at the plane to keep the plane going. So I can understand you, that. You've so- never actually done
0: that, though. You say you would. I don't know yeah. if I believe you, but you've never actually done that. But that's even if you did, that's like a one time deal. Like everyone's had their hands in crap once in their life, a few times in their life, especially if you have a dog. Like it happens.
1: Okay, I've had it, I've had it on my forehead twice. I tried what? to I tried to whip some dog crap out of the backyard back at circle C. Now I was flipping it over until some woods, but it flipped up and it hit me in the forehead and stuck right on my forehead. That was awful, BK. That was that was just that was not unheard of. And once when I was a football coach at Boston in college and my wife put my son on the changing table right beside the bed and the dude squirted and it hit me right in the forehead and just dripped down on my face while I was, I wasn't asleep for very long, but I was just laying there. His ass is pointed towards me. She's changed him, take the diaper off and dude it. And it hit me pow right in the head and it drips down like, you know, right. Right. And, and i and I'm trying to get a couple extra minutes of sleep, and dude, shit's right on my forehead. I mean, it was airborne first and got me right in the head. Dude, no way. Oh, the dog one was nothing. It was the first one of my life of when I was a young coach and got my son was the one who was the culprit on the changing table. Needless to say, I switched spots with her from that point on.
0: Oh, my God. You've had shit on your forehead twice.
1: Yes, twice. Flung, well, the, the, the one, the one I needed it. to have, the one I needed to have filmed of the dog trying to flip it over the fence somewhere else, and it goes, and it just kind of half stuck and went bang right in the forehead, and there it was sticking in my forehead. That should have been a that that video would have been great. Oh, that's
0: incredible, man! You've lived ten lives in one. You know that some of the just stories. for that alone. Oh, just some of the stories and some of oh. what you've been through, like that, is uh. That is spectacular. I've survived yeah.
1: those things.
0: We've all had crap on our hands. I don't know if we've all had it on our foreheads. Not many. Not these, many. These guys, I, I know they get paid a ton of money, but sorry, you can't pay me enough money in the world to do that as my job. To literally to enter, to enter and release? Yeah, one time. Sure. I'll take a huge lump sum payment to do it one time. But for that to be like the lottery. <laughs> but for that to be my daily deal, my daily double. There's your lottery thing. There you Did go. You just always do that. Oh, and how could you marry that? Oh, my God. that's God bless Remember, you. Remember, it's not like
1: days. the dentist of old. We're using gloves. There's no. the lady, the latex lady in between. You know, the rubber lady who walks around all day long like a rubber. I mean, come on. Trojan girl, that girl, God. you know. What a mess. She's a bum anyway.
0: Hey, coming up in about eight minutes, my old buddy Jeremy Branham from ESPN Houston is going to join us. He's also the sideline reporter for the Houston football team. He's also the play-by-play voice for the basketball team. So we'll we'll talk to JB again when we get uh, closer to those Texas-Houston basketball matchups that we'll have in college hoops when we get to Big 12 play. But uh, Jeremy's going to join us to talk some Texas-Houston. He's also going to join us to talk some Astros, Rangers, speaking of Texas, Houston, that's coming up in eight minutes. Uh, but, uh, Buck, what about this Thursday night game tonight in the NFL? It's actually, on paper, a decent game. Now, there is a, an injury that would make this a not-so-decent game if the guy can't play. It's the 4-2 and two Jaguars at the 3-3 three and three Saints. The Jags have been playing some really good football as of late. Trevor Lawrence, though, did get banged up in their game last week. He's questionable tonight. Uh, if he doesn't play, I think it's C.J. Beathard who's the backup in Jacksonville. That would make the game a lot less entertaining. The Saints, of course, coming off the loss in Houston to the Texans last weekend. But uh, the Saints are one-point favorite at home. This one actually could be pretty decent. What are you thinking in this game?
1: Well, if Trevor Lawrence isn't playing, I'd like to take the Saints on that. Okay. That is not a big unit play, but a small unit play at home for the Saints defense. I can buy into that. Trevor Lawrence is playing. This team is on a little bit of a roll right now, and they're on a roll – in the States, this is not in London where they own London, you know. Uh, but this is doing it right here at the homeland. So they're playing pretty well right now, Jacksonville. They're starting to find their way. But they need a, a healthy Trevor Lawrence. And they're not. They're probably not even going to take a chance. I, I know it's, it's a big game, but I don't think they'll take a chance with him. They're playing too well right now to have him get in there and get hurt for weeks to come. So I, I think if he's one of those 70% guys, he doesn't play. They don't take that chance.
0: Yeah, there was a report from Rap Sheet this morning saying that Trevor Lawrence is confident that he's going to play tonight. Adam Schefter, within the last hour, said that the Jags are going to work out Trevor Lawrence on the field before the game to determine if he's good. Yeah, to which go. means he won't
1: play. That whole workout before the game means he doesn't play. Yeah,
0: C.J. Beathard would be the starter for Jacksonville if Lawrence can't go, and they
1: can't afford to get him hurt. They really can't afford. I mean, if no. he's on that borderline, they can't. They can afford to lose a game, but they can't afford to get Trevor Lawrence hurt.
0: Well, the Texans are breathing down their necks. Can they afford a loss tonight? Can they
1: afford to just punt on one of these games? Yes, and this is the one. Get your quarterback back to healthy and then move on. Yeah, you know, I'm with you, man. The Texans are playing really, really well, but you know their day is going to come. They haven't had one of those days yet. They really haven't. Think about it. Their quarterback has been close to brilliant from the beginning to right now. His his young ass is going to have one of those days where, are, you know, where it just doesn't work out. It's the mm-hmm. NFL. He, he's, He's due one. I don't know if it would – I I don't know when it is, BK, but you you know it. I know it. The American people know it.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, the Texans as a team had one of those days. They got boat raced by the Colts at home back in That's week right. two. That's right. Uh, but you're right. I mean, C.J. Stroud didn't throw his first interception until last week, but it was in a win over a pretty solid Saints team. And C.J. Stroud did some good things in that game against a very good New Orleans defense. So I just don't uh, know yeah. what
1: to think of the Saints. I, I mean, you know – they, they they just can't combine offense with defense. I'm always good with them defensively, especially at home with their defense. But I never know what to think of their offense. I I, I just don't. I can't figure it out. I mean, yeah, I mean,
0: Derek Carr, like, he's just not that good. He's not that good. He put up some good numbers in some years in Vegas, and uh, he felt like he was going to be an upgrade over Jameis Winston and Boy on the Bicycle, a.k.a. Voldemort's. Yeah, in New Orleans. Like, I mean, since uh, Drew Brees retired, the Saints just haven't had any good
1: quarterback play. No. So,
0: I think everybody thought that Derek Carr would be an upgrade over that. But he—they thought it was
1: going to be a a big upgrade, yeah. and they're finding that finding out he's still Derek Carr.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's just uh, he hasn't been there this year. He's had a couple of good games, but pulling up his numbers right now. I mean, yeah, five touchdowns, three interceptions through six games. Like that's that's not what New Orleans was looking for. No. And that division sucks. Like, I think uh, I kind of assumed the Saints were going to run away with the NFC South. Like, I didn't think they were going to win 12 games or anything like that, but I thought they'd win 9 or 10, and that would be enough in the NFC South. Maybe that division's not as bad as we thought. Like, Tampa Bay is better than people expected. Atlanta looks okay. Carolina sucks. They're 0-6. They're the only winless team in the NFL. But, yeah, I figured for sure New Orleans was the best team. I figured for sure Derek Carr was the best quarterback in that division and he neither of those have been clearly true through the first uh, month and a half of the year.
1: And for the Texans, they're in it. They're, they're going to be, by the way, I I still don't trust Atlanta, even with Bijan Rao. I still don't trust that team, the the team, the entire, the the entirety of the team. I don't trust them offensively or defensively. They're just, they're just kind of slightly below average, I believe. And that's what their record is going to end up showing you. They'll be okay.
0: Falcons at Bucks this Sunday, like, that's that's a relatively big one in the NFC South, uh, and they're no. at the,
1: and they're at Tampa
0: in Tampa. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm smelling a five thousand unit play early. Yes. Tampa, Tampa Bay, is, is a two and a
0: half point favorite right now.
1: Baker, Baker, my money maker. That's what I'm feeling. Yes, indeed.
0: Congrats to the Falcons then on the win. No,
1: this is yeah. this is. I'm. How many am I down six?
0: Yeah, you're down 6,000 units. Yeah, that's sure.
1: going to be my 6,000-unit play on a Thursday. That's right. You've hit the one. You've talked about the one that's going to put us all back to even, y'all. Yeah. And then you'll understand why I am so good. You know, See I tease you. you a little bit. I keep it – and every week I keep it a little in and out. Do I take bucks pick? Do I just – no, do I fade that dude? No, No, you don't ever really, really fade me for a long period of time. This one's going to get you back to even. We can all shake hands. You know, we can – we can all have an ollie pop together. You'll understand how good I truly am after this one, because this one's going to be relatively easy, too. Do you you realize what you just did? What? Your biggest bet of the
0: football season thus far is on Baker Mayfield? Yes. The Tampa Bay
1: Buccaneers? Absolutely. Are you high? What are you on? Do you see the Atlanta Falcons? Have you watched that group?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean. John
1: Ritter played quarterback? Really? Oh. Uh. Well, good,
0: good luck with that one, man. That's you're going to be down. Is they're
1: still going to be their quarterback this yep. week?
0: Yep. No, no. You're going to you're going to be down twelve thousand units after this Sunday. This will
1: be people will be thanking me for this one. This one, Sal from New York is going to call me on this and say, "Buck, what a great pick." As a matter of yeah. fact, you all will. I'm very confident in BK bringing this up and mentally me me just focusing on what's going to happen. Atlanta Falcons. I'm still, you know, I still haven't got over that lead they had against. The New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, Shano. I still remember that still comes back to play. God. You're still Atlanta. And your owner, your your guy that owns all the Home Depots or whatever whatever they are, that's it. I'm about I'm to be homeless. It. We're all
0: about to be homeless for taking no. that dick. But hey, we've got our next guest ready to go. Super excited about this conversation. This dude is a great friend of mine. We worked together for a couple of years down in Houston. There really is no better guest To have on right now because I only host a radio show at ESPN Houston, my old stomping grounds. He knows everything there is to know about the Astros. But not only that, he is the sideline reporter for the Houston Cougar football team and the play-by-play voice for the Cougs basketball team as well. He is my great
3: friend, Jeremy Branham. What's up, JB? Hey, BK. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you. Thanks for your old job. I really appreciate it.
1: You're <laughs> down 6,000 units? How does that happen? It's early. We just started football. 6,000 units, nothing. I I think- that's That's the point. It's early, and you're down 6,000 units. It's We're going to make that up in one play this weekend, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. That's I right. I like
3: that game, too, but BK not bad about it.
1: Yeah. Now, Jeremy,
0: I'll text you all of Bucky's picks so you can fade <laughs> and uh you'll be a rich man for that. Uh, well, let's start with the baseball before we get into the uh Longhorns and the Cougars. Big win for the Astros last night. I, I know you've been talking about it over the last few months. Hell, I was talking about it when-, when I was down there. I mean, it's just it makes no sense. The Astros have been so dominant at Minute Maid throughout this dynastic run. But all year long, they just haven't been able to win there. But they go on the road and they look like the Astros that we have grown to. Uh, see over the last few years just how do you explain what's been going on all year long and what continues to go on in these playoffs
3: i don't think it's explainable Uh, it's it's the darnest thing you know you you see theories and you know are there elements of truth to some of these theories probably you know the, the batter's eye is that legitimate i mean they added paint so maybe a little um there's been theories about well the astros just aren't a good team when the other team scores first which i think probably is the most legitimate theory a lot of baseball teams uh, don't have great success when the other team scores first visitors hit before the home team in every single inning, does that come into play? You know, maybe a little bit. Um, all the festivities before the game, does that matter? Maybe, but this is a team who's been to seven straight ALCS two times world champion. And they're, they're getting distracted by the parades pregame. Like I don't, I don't know. It's unexplainable. Is it distractions? We've had some, theories from our texters well you know these are family men and you know how distracting that can be when they stay mm-hmm. at home who knows it's it's weird it's bizarre are there elements of truth to any of these theories maybe i don't know but when they go on the road you know they flip a switch they become that dynasty houston astro team there were jose altube's hidden balls all over the park one over the fence uh you're on alvarez trying to get one over the fence but leote Tavares is unbelievable um they just have, you know, they're they're a decorated organization, decorated team. When they have to win games, they win games, and you know they did that last night.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter if if they win win a lot at home, they win a lot on the road for sure. They don't they don't mind being a road. It's us against the world. That kind of attitude that they may have when they, when they leave uh, when they leave their ballpark. But it's just it's just weird, you know. You feel so much more comfortable at home. But as you said, distractions. You know, we we talked about that. A little bit last uh, two weeks ago, when Texas played OU, and it still could happen this week versus Houston. When these kids that are from around this, these areas, when they go back to go back to the Houston area, a lot of kids from University of Texas, you know, are from the Houston area. A lot of kids, uh, you know, from you know, are from Arlington in that area when they play Oklahoma. Uh, families hang around the hotels that Friday night before games. their distractions your mind. You know, you want to take care of mom. You want to take care of your cousins. Do you have tickets? Is such and such coming to the game? Is grandma going to make it to the game? Who's going to take care of such and such? I mean, it's just totally, it gets, gets, gets you off of your game where the coaches would like you to be totally focused, which is hard to do with that many players. But it only takes a couple players to screw all that kind of stuff up. And they're not doing it on purpose. It's just the nature of, of what can happen to you. So maybe the, maybe the Astros are so professional that they feel like they're more together when we're on the road for this particular season because it hadn't been like that.
3: Yeah, it's it's it hasn't. You're right. That's the other thing that's kind of curious and why people kind of scoff at the well. Mm -hmm. How is it the batter's eye? The Astros were really good at home last year. They were the same batter's eye. Right. Um, It's it's bizarre. Like, is it a fluke? I don't know. You play 81 games at home. It's hard for me to think that 81 games is fluky. You you know, Um, you're probably onto something with the distractions. You know, if 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 it is true, and I I I'm buying it a bit. Stay in a hotel. Do what football teams do, right? You know how, yeah. I mean, Texas, when they're playing a home game, they're they're staying at the hotel. They're absolutely. getting away from distractions. Football teams do that in the NFL, too. I rode an elevator with Joe Burrow last year before a home game at Cincinnati. You know, we, we know that that's the logistics of football. And, look, I get not doing that in the regular season. Like, that's too much. That's probably too much money. But in front of, you know, two games at home in the ALCS, yeah, maybe stay yeah. at
1: the period. You know what I mean? You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right because you got their full of- – you, you'll have more of their attention than them getting phone calls at their homes where everybody yeah. has their number. Make, it a, road game.
3: make, make yeah. it a road game.
1: Make it a road game. I mean, yeah. if you have to do, you know, teams do things a little bit differently all the time. When things aren't working the right way, coaches go, okay, let's try this. They'll try that kind of thing. That's not a bad idea. I never thought of it that way. Go to stay at the hotel at home.
0: Yeah, I like that. Jeremy, uh, thoughts on the rest of the series? I mean, Christian Javier was awesome last night. Like, believe it or not, that was his worst postseason start of his career, and he had a no-hitter through five innings. That guy's absurd. But Jose Urquidy, another one of those guys that didn't have a great year in the Astros pitching staff, looked great in the closeout game against Minnesota in the ALDS. What's the confidence level in him? This feels like a huge game. I mean, you could argue yesterday was a must win, but this also feels really important for the Astros to get today. How are you feeling about Arquiti going up against the Rangers tonight?
3: Yeah, today's huge from an Astros perspective. You don't want to be down 3-1 with Jordan Montgomery, who just destroyed you in game one. Um, you know how we all fall under recency bias. Everybody loves Jose Arquiti right now because of what he did in his final start against Arizona for what he did in the uh, the clincher of the ALDS in game four. The The – crazy part about this story is if JP France's wife, MTV Jess, never gets dehydrated and makes that start in Arizona, Jose Rikini might not even be on the playoff roster. Yet he has started this will be his three of the biggest games of the Astro season. Uh, he is similar to Javier. I agree with you BK, where he s- seems to be very calm, cool collected. The moment doesn't get too big for him. He's won three World Series games. Um, I, I like the fact that Arquiti is not pitching up against like, he, uh, whether it like Montgomery or Eovaldi, because that would be a huge pitching advantage for the Rangers. I think it's a little bit more even today. I think from an Astros perspective, they'd be thrilled if you got to the bullpen with a tie game. Um, and I think today's critical. Like you said, if you're down three, one with Jordan Montgomery on the bump tomorrow at home, you're staring down the barrel.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Agreed.
3: All right, let's get to this football
0: game coming up on Saturday. Uh, you, of course, do sidelines for Houston for Learfield, and we'll we'll get you back on around basketball season, <laughs> too, because we've got some uh, big time UTUH matchups coming up when we get towards the new year. But uh, tell us about this Houston team a little bit, man. I mean, you're on the sidelines for the miracle last Thursday, the Hail Mary at the buzzer like that. That felt like a huge win for Dana Holgerson because it feels like, you know, his seat is starting to warm up there. Did did Houston maybe turn a corner and figure some things out in that game, or was there just some luck involved? I mean, what's the confidence level with that UH fan base that uh, Houston has maybe turned a corner and they've got a chance to make things interesting this Saturday?
3: You know, I'm a, I'm a huge Houston homer. I feel like they've played better than their record. Honestly, you know, didn't show up quite frankly in the first half against Rice. Did in the second half. You, you win that game. You're four and two. Probably talking about this team a little differently. Uh, They were very much in the Tech game, very much in the TCU game. It kind of, you know, uh, unraveled a bit in the second half, depth, things like that. That that didn't happen against West Virginia. And while the Hail Mary, you know, miracle finish, things like that, they were up by 11 points with about five, six minutes left to play in that game and dropped an interception. You know, you pick that that ball off. Even if you don't score, you probably win by two possessions uh, against West Virginia. So you, you had some fluky stuff happen late. You know, West Virginia went on that scoring drive, which you tip your cap to. Um, quarterback takes his helmet off, thank goodness, from a Houston Cougar perspective. You get yeah. 15 yards in the kickoff. Uh, Stacey Sneed, who was a kick returner for the Cougars on that kickoff right after that, got a decent return, got it at least up the field. They run a quick outplay. You get eight yards, and you get it within range. I mean, it, it, none of those things happen. The personal, the unsportsmanlike conduct, the decent kick return, the quick out pass where you get eight yards. If, if one of those things doesn't happen, you don't get the ball into the end zone uh, for, for Donovan Smith to throw it in there. So I think this team's played pretty well. Um, I think that they are better than their record indicates. I think a lot of people look at the finish of the West Virginia game like, oh, you know, Houston got lucky, which, you know, hell Mary's aren't going to work a high percentage of the time. I look at the fact that they're up by 11 with five, six minutes left to go against a West Virginia team that's been a lot better than people have thought.
1: Yeah, and, and Jeremy, when you when you talk about that West Virginia team, you know, BK and I were talking earlier this week. Houston, I, I believe, has more speed than people think they do. That's a fast football team. They're, they may not be that big, but they've got speed at special positions. Uh, they were faster than West Virginia. Now, West Virginia physically moved the ball around a little bit because I think they're they're probably more physical than Houston but they're not as fast as that Houston team. They don't, they've, they've got players. Not, now, Texas has players that have speed and, and they're big. That, that may be the difference right there. The size difference may be the one that comes out. But Houston does have some special players with great speed, I think, at certain positions that can hurt the University of Texas, especially in the special teams. If they, if they let those guys loose or, they, or they're not in the right lanes, things can change in a hurry.
3: Yeah, they, Houston's been one of the best teams in the country in the, in the Dana Holgerson era in special teams, and they've had some pretty special kick returners over that course of time. You know, Marquez Stevenson, who's an NFL guy, had some bad mm-hmm. luck in the league, never could get healthy, was a guy who started it all, returned some touchdowns, whether it was kick returns, punt returns. We all know about uh, Marcus Jones, who's doing some special things with the Patriots. Unfortunately, he's hurt as well. And then last year we saw Tank Dell do it, who's now doing some big things for the Houston Texans. It's similar this year. Uh, Matthew Golden has a couple of kickoff returns for a touchdown. Malik Fleming's one of the more dynamic punt returners uh, in the country, too. In fact, he had one uh, for a touchdown last week that was called back and uh, Holgerson didn't necessarily agree. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, so you're right for special teams wise, they, they have the ability to return some kicks against you. Their best player is probably their, their left tackle, Patrick Paul, but I would agree with you in the trenches that they're going to have difficulty, mm-hmm. you know, with Texas's speed, athleticism, size. They, they haven't seen anything like that. And I would argue that Texas has arguably one of the best rosters in all of college football. And I would agree too, with the, the athleticism, especially at the receiver positions. Uh, I mentioned Matthew Golden, who's returned a couple of kicks. An electric player, only a sophomore, really good. Uh, Joseph Manjack, who's a Houston kid, started his career at USC, transferred back, tough kid, you know, type of guy that you want over the middle, can kind of do it all. Um, Boogie Johnson, who's an Oklahoma State transfer who caught the Hail Mary. He's starting to come along recently. And the best receiver might be Sam Brown, who who is a West Virginia transfer, has been amongst the leaders in the Big 12 and catches and receiving yards. So that is an area where the Cougars have strength. Their wide receiver room is really good.
0: Jeremy Branham from ESPN 97.5 in Houston, also with Learfield, is joining us here on Bucky and BK. Jeremy, I mean, I've watched some Houston football. You've watched every game this year. The defense does not look good, and the stats also tell you that they have not been good. And you take the two best defensive performances they had with a little bit of a grain of salt because it was against UTSA and it was against Sam Houston State, who lost again last night to fall to 0-7. Does the Houston defense do – Anything well – like, is there anything that Texas should be scared of from an offensive standpoint on Saturday?
3: Yeah, probably turnovers. And I mean, if you're looking at a, the spread of this game, you're going to need turnovers from a Houston Cougar perspective. I, I would – you know, the numbers are the numbers. I mean, they are what they are. I hate that phrase, but they are what they are. Uh, Houston's shown, you know, flashes. Like, they, they'll, they'll be good in the secondary one game, but they can't stop the run. Uh, the next game, you know, West Virginia, I thought they did pretty good against the run, but they get exposed in the secondary. So it's been if one thing, it hasn't been complimentary. It hasn't been the, the whole, you know, the, the whole package, the total package for the Houston Cougar defense. When one thing is going well, something else is not. Uh, from a Cougar perspective, I guess the positivity that you can draw out of this is that you've seen bits and pieces of good. Uh, you've seen the defensive line led by Dot and Caldwell this past week against West Virginia do pretty good against a really physical team that's a really good blocking team. Uh, we've seen the secondary be able to lock some guys up at times. Uh, we've seen them get some interceptions too, which has kind of been one of the strengths of it. at least the secondary is they might be giving up some yards, but they'll get some interceptions here and there. So. From an optimistic point of view, it's okay. We've seen the defensive line play well. We, we've seen some good games from the linebackers. We've seen Isaiah Hamilton pick off some passes. We've seen uh, A.J. Hossie get 15 tackles in one game. So they're capable. It's just about having a complete game and you know, doing it against Texas will be difficult.
1: You know, and, and Jeremy, for for Dana, this is a game – this is a recruiting game for, for Dana, too. I mean, I know people are saying, what are you talking about? Texas is going to get the best players. No, there are always there a couple individual players that want to stay at home in the Houston area. That all they need to all they need to know is that Houston has a chance. And if he can give, if they can have a chance where they're under the spread, Texas wins by 14 or 17, and not in the 20s or the 30s, that's that's a this, his staff understands what we can do for this program if we're not if we don't get blown out here. We can keep some of these players that are thinking about us and say, hey, we're going to, we're in the Big 12 now. Let's go in there. Let's keep – then my friend will come here. Then my friend's friend will come here. And that's all you need is four or five players in that Houston area to say, I'm going to stay at home. I'm No, I'm not going to Texas. No, I'm not going to LSU. That's all you need. So this is more than just a, a game of, you know, we need to win the game. Yeah, every coach wants to win the game. But this is a game that, you know, Dana can't get blown out and lose okay. some of those players that may be even thinking about staying at home.
3: That's a great point, Bucky. And Dana actually talked about that earlier this week. I can't remember if it was on our or the Dana Holgerson show or his Monday press conference, one of the two. Um, and he talked about how this is going to be the, mo- the highest attended game from a recruiting standpoint. Mm-hmm. They're going to have so many recruits on the sidelines that are going to be there around campus this week. And I would agree, like, you know, these recruits aren't necessarily – You picking a school because you won a football game against a specific school. It's okay. What do the facilities look like? And you have people that are walking through the door, maybe for the first time. Uh, You have people that are going to be inside of TDECU Stadium recruits, maybe for the first time. What is the environment like? Because kids want to play in good environments. They don't want to play at 25% capacity stadiums where they don't have good vibes and it doesn't feel good to play. You know, what do the jerseys look like? I don't know what these kids are thinking these days. So, that's I me. Mean, that's like any sales job, right? Get them through the door, get them through the door and then give them your pitch, whatever it is. Good atmosphere. Great stadium. Sure. We're competing. Our facilities are great. So I think it's a great point, Bucky. You know, the fact that you have Texas coming into town, it's going to be a sold out game. You know, you have a lot of eyes on this football game. Take advantage of that. You get Get some of these recruits through the door, sell them on your university, whether you, you flip one or, or maybe yeah. you have two or three that don't get an offer from the blue bloods, the top 10 teams in the country. But you know, you get a four, a star recruit. I think it's a really good point. And I think the Cougars are capitalizing on that because uh, this is going to be the game where they have more recruits than any other game all year.
0: Yeah. JB last thing before we let you go, we appreciate the time. I know you're on daddy duty today. How uh, about <laughs> ha- some right. predictions, man? We'll, we'll start with uh, Texas and Houston on the gridiron, and then we'll go to Astros Rangers. What, uh, what happens on Saturday and what happens in the rest of this ALCS.
3: Can I pull the Kirk Street? Can I do that? Well I'm on the call. So I can't <laughs> I can't predict the game. I think okay. I think both teams are gonna try really hard. And I think both teams are gonna have a lot of fun. Beautiful weather at T D ECU Stadium Saturday at three pregame at two o'clock. Can I, will you allow me the Herb Street on that? I can't uh, predict my own game, careful. Jeremy,
0: Jeremy Herb Street. Yeah, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. I'll let you do that. What about yeah, I the ALCS? More, to more
3: material to the Longhorns.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is it right there. That's what's going to do it for Texas. They weren't going to win, but if you yeah. gave a prediction, they Bradham? were. What do you had to say in in the covert <laughs> Beehive? You kidding me? <laughs> oh my God! All right, what about the ALCS then? You can't cop out yeah. of that
3: one. I think that the Astros win today. Uh, Today's huge. I mean, if if they lose today, I don't think the series gets back to Houston. The fact that you're down 3-1, you have Jordan Montgomery on the mound tomorrow, I know that you have JV on the mound, I just think it hurts the psyche, quite frankly. I think if you get down 3-1, series over. um, And and maybe you can sneak a Game 5 victory, but I think the series is done. Like, you get a Fromber in a Game 6, Game 7, anything can happen. I think if you go down 3-1, the series is over. Now, I do think the Astros win today. Uh, I think Jose Arquiti will will match Heaney. I think it will be a bullpen game, Astros bullpen, that was a little shaky yesterday, uh, but still got the job done, at least preserved the lead. I think it's better uh, whenever you're talking about going to the fourth or fifth guy in the bullpen than the Rangers are. And then um, I think if the the Astros win today, I think that they win the series. Um, However they do it, you know, does JV win on the road? The Astros win all three in Arlington for the second time. The Astros visit Arlington in a row this year. Or do you get it back home? Fromber in game six scares me. Um, yeah. the, the people in Houston that have turned on Fromber is amazing, by the way. You have the city. Fromber Valdez was the the betting favorite to win the Cy Young this year. Should have started the American League. Should have started the All-Star Game for the American League. But, you know, the day's rest, all that didn't happen. People in Houston are ready to start J.P. France, a 28-year-old rookie, over Fromber Valdez. And I oh. cannot believe it. And I know Fromber's been poor um, it had not been very good the last six weeks, but I, I can't believe that people are clamoring for JP France over Fromber. Uh, Fromber in a Game Six is, is you know, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gamble. It's shaky. It, it doesn't really instill a lot of confidence. But I don't. If it gets to a Game Seven and you have Javier on the mound, how can you not feel good about that? From a huge. Oh yeah. I and mean, did Scherzer go in Game Seven? You think the Rangers would go Scherzer if it gets to a Game Seven?
0: Uh, I would hope not for yeah, the Rangers' I agree. sake.
3: Yeah. Probably a bullpen day. Maybe Scherzer's like an opener type, and then you ride him until he gives up a run or two.
1: But oh, that'll be yeah. a full two innings. That'll give you a full two innings, maybe.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Scherzer's capable of doing Scherzer things at any time. So you always have to be aware of that. I like Javier. I mean, Javier in the postseason's on a different level. He's incredible. So I think that's a huge advantage for the Astros in a game seven if it gets there. I think it gets to a game seven if the Astros win today. All right. I love, it. Here you I love go. it.
0: Jeremy, you're the man. Appreciate Thanks the time, brother. Jeremy. Great Have catching nice up. Meeting. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man.
3: Yeah, it's good seeing you again, BK. Anytime, good nice you, I hope you can really work on those six thousand units. I'm rooting for you. I'm cheering for
1: you. <laughs> Take Tampa Bay. Put a little coin <laughs> in for the you know for the baby for the kid. I mean, yeah. start that college fund t- this weekend with All me right. right there.
3: All right, sounds good. All I'll bill you if it doesn't work, Bucky. All right, All I right. <laughs> <laughs> see
0: you, JB. Uh, the great Jeremy Brandon from ESPN Houston and Learfield Houston with us. There, talking some baseball, talking some football as well. Great conversation there. All right, we're basically out of time, Buck. A quick word for uh, Covert BK before we get out of here?
1: No, we got them already. I'm going to tell you about huh. Dr. Greg Eckert, though. How about Thank Dr. You. Eckert? Yes, we are, you and I are going to get fitted today for that, uh, for that piece so that I won't be concussed anymore. That's right, brain ball. We're going to go get fitted for brain ball today because you've been talking about me falling and hitting my head and things like that. So the good doctor wants us to do that. Now, teeth cleaning, extractions, teeth widening, they do everything from general dentistry to the most advanced work. Got my veneers done in just two visits. But if you want to turn a frown upside down, find out if you're a, a candidate for dental implants by giving Dr. Eckert a call at 512-345-3166. guy been doing this for 28 years, over 1,400 cases of restoring teeth, and get your dental insurance. Use it or lose it. Yes. Let's start preparing to call up the good doctor now. And he's always taking on new patients, but he wants you to take care of your dental health. He wants you to feel healthy. He wants you to feel great. He did not want your teeth hurt. But if you've got dental insurance, find out if Dr. Eckert takes. He takes most dental insurances. But, guys, if you wait until December, there's not going to be a spot for you. So let's start getting it done October and November. Dr. Greg Eckert, 512-345-3166. Our dentist should be your dentist also.
0: Yes, indeed. And one shout-out to Great Blue Heron Furniture, yes. too. Check out their website, greatblueheronfurniture.com, or click the link in the description below for the best furniture that you can find. All right. Time to bring the fellas on. Good job today, man. I see them here. Good job to you as well. Good
3: job. Way to go. Way to go. Good job. Bryce Harper. Yeah.
1: Where's the shit talk? Come on. No, we're we're, we're not talking about that stuff today. We're very professional today, okay? What do you mean? You talked about –
3: You
1: you
0: (laughs) talked – Rodney was here watching. Buck, you talked about having shit on your forehead at two different times over the course of your life.
1: Yeah, Uh, but that was just – That was – You know, my son didn't know what he was doing. He was like – hey. Four months old. so he shit on my head. He called me a shithead.
3: So, hey man, uh, I had a my four-year-old daughter. We had like one of those pools that you set up in the back. You know, one of the bigger ones that you can blow up or whatever. Oh yeah, we're, sit, we're sitting there. It's like an evening. I'm kind of relaxing or whatever, and the kids in there with me, and and I look up, and here's this here's this turd like. <laughs> Just like like a like a submarine, you know, just kind of floating. But oh but it's my up God. on top,
1: like a big like a baby Ruth just floating that way. And, and that yes, Fuck. And, and, and and that was a girl. That was a girl that did that. I'm
3: not going to say which daughter because they say they don't watch this shit. But one
1: of them, one of them knows who it was. Oh, they do. One of them knows.
0: <laughs> holy shit! Die
1: here, dude. Oh my goodness. All right, we have to go do real things today. <laughs> Have a great
0: show.